Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, June 24th. We are here live, and we've got a big day lined up for you. Coming up right here at the start, we're welcoming back a friend of the show and the tribe. That would be the senior product manager from Garmin, Eric Miller. We'll be talking about a new product launch. I'm really excited about that. If you have uh, questions about Garmin products as well, um, Eric has agreed to spend some time answering questions if you've got them. So if you have any questions about Garmin products, pick up the phone right now and join us. We'll get to you 855-950-3835. The first hour is the Garmin launch and some free-for-all stuff and uh, second hour coming up at noon. Uh, I'll be joined by John and Joel for trucking technology and efficiency. And I think we're probably going to be carrying on the theme from Garmin because we have a couple things we're working on there as well. So uh, pick up the phone if you want to join us. We are going to jump right in. Oh, by the way, the products are all, I just got a message from Aaron. Looks like the products are all on our homepage. I haven't even seen them yet. I'm going to go check it out now. Um, There they are. Yes, right there at the top. Go check it out. Let's truck.com. And uh, let's welcome back in Eric Miller from Garmin. Eric, welcome back. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing good. Boy, I've been uh, just waiting for this show since uh, a couple weeks back when you contacted us and told us about this. Um, I'm excited for today. Yeah, me too. I think uh, it's always a great opportunity to get to, to talk to you and, and, and your group here. So all about our new, our new products. Yeah, so today's all about new products. Um, before you announce, can I tell a story? Absolutely. Okay, and it's it's very relevant to what you're about to announce, so I'll set this up for you here. So um, I took a big road trip at the beginning of this year, left in February, didn't get back till May. Um, it ended up being longer than I thought it would, uh, about 6,000 miles. And with all that, you and I missed talking to each other in person by about 10 minutes, I think. Um, I was trying to get to your booth yep. at the truck show and I kept getting sidelined and I got there and you had just left to go to the airport. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hook up somewhere here. But uh, so on this road trip, one of the things I was excited about when I left was I had done some pretty major upgrades to my coach as far as electronics. Um, new sound system up front for, you know, audio books. I love to listen to audio books while I drive. Um, the new Garmin diesel navigator, the big 10 inch. I've got that all set up and ready to go. And I also knew that this was going to be a long trip. I was going to spend a lot of time driving. I really don't like to talk on the phone when I drive. Uh, I'd just rather not do it at all. And I knew that that wasn't going to be practical for the amount of time I was going to be gone and all the driving I was going to have to do. I just, I had to be able to be in touch. You know, I had projects we were working on. So I thought, all right, I at least need to make this as safe and easy as possible. So I started researching noise canceling headsets. So, you know, I'm hands-free, good sound quality, 
Um, and I settled on what I thought at the time was probably the best product on the market. I read tons of reviews and what people liked, and I got a Blue Parrot headset, tested it out. Sound quality was excellent both ways, you know, on my end and, and the uh, audio on the other end. Um, so I'm excited. I take off. Everything's working great. I'm listening to my audio book. I'm watching my um, navigator and playing around. Oh, and my watch, of course. Now I've got it all set up to display on the navigator. So I'm just, this is awesome. Phone rings, put on my headset, call picks right up. I'm talking. I'm like, man, this is great. Set the headset down at the end of the call. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why didn't my audio book start playing? Because normally, as soon as I end a call, the book just picks right back up or the news or whatever I was listening to. And so here I am now. The whole point of this headset is to be safer. Here I am now trying to play around with the headset, the phone, my uh, stereo receiver in the dash, trying to figure out. And the whole time I'm playing with it, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I can still hear my book, but it sounds like it's a mile away. And it dawned on me, my book was now playing through my headset. And I'm like, why did that happen? It should have gone back to the way I was listening before. So the whole trip, I fought with this, and I'm pretty good at this kind of stuff. I never came up with a fix. They just did not play well together. And the best I could do was come up with a quick, easy way to reconnect after every phone call without being too unsafe. Uh, but it was really frustrating. That one issue kind of screwed up the whole thing for me. But um, you haven't, I don't have that problem anymore. And I'll let you tell everybody why I don't have that problem anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, your experience is one that uh, I think a lot of drivers have. And, uh, you know, uh, what, what we've been working on for the last couple of years is uh, the, uh, our own um, diesel headset. And so we've been uh, working hard uh, on developing a Bluetooth headset just for truck drivers um, and really have, uh, have really been really excited to get this thing out the door um, earlier this month. So uh, diesel headset is now on sale. We've got a 100 series and a 200 series. Um, basically, the, the difference between the two is uh, one has uh, uh, has the ability to s switch from a, it's a two-in-one headset. And so the 200 is a two-in-one, so you can have it as a stereo headphones, or you can remove one of the ear cups and uh, listen to it in a, in a standard mono headset kind of state um, for, for driving. So we want drivers to use a single single ear headset for while they're driving and then when they're on brakes and they're there at the at the truck stop those kinds of things that they can uh they can be listening to it in stereo mode and listen to their movies or their or, or whatever they want to do while they're on their break so uh, the garmin diesel headset i'm actually talking to you on it right now I've, I've got it on my head and that's how i'm having this conversation with you guys and uh yeah it's 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 a great experience i think for truck drivers to be able to just have this thing uh, paired uh, right into the kind of diesel ecosystem. So the, the headset uh, should should solve your problems by being just plugged right into the diesel mobile app. Um, and so the, the, the headset pairs to your diesel mobile app, which connects to your phone, and then all the kind of magic just happens from there where it'll, it'll integrate right into the diesel ecosystem where you can have, you know, hands-free um, calls will come to your, come to your headset as well as 
notifications from your navigator, audio prompts from your nav prompts will come from your navigator to your headset. Um, you can also press the Garmin button on the headset and, and start uh, talking to your navigator saying, you know, giving it uh, voice commands to control uh, where you might be, want, where you want me might be wanting to go and all those things. So it's a, it's a very, uh, a very, very nice headset, a very premium headset uh, for the trucking market. Yeah, I, I got to say, it was the final piece for me. Like I, I say, I was so excited about how I had everything set up and working. And, you know, I thought I was going to transition from calls to going back to my audio book. And I, it just didn't work. And I fought with it the whole 6,000 miles. And I was frustrated. And uh, I got back and I thought, all right, I'm going to start over here now that I've got some time and see if I can fix this. And then the next day I know I get an email from you about this product. I got to tell you, you guys are really good at keeping things under wraps. I was shocked by this product. <laughs> I had no idea. If you would have told, if you would have given me 10 guesses, I don't know if I would have come up with this or not, uh, but I was so happy to see it. And then I was happy to see that, I didn't have to do anything different. This just works now. I don't have that weird issue, and I don't know why I had it before. But these, what do I, four things now? It's so hard to watch, the GPS, the headset. We got so much going on. But it all plays together really, really well. So that was the first thing I was just really happy about. But I also have to say, and, and this doesn't surprise me, um, but for a first edition, especially, you guys knocked it out of the park. Quality, comfort, um, sound issues, the audio quality, the comfort wearing it, it, it just the, the ease of use, the software, how well it plays with everything else. Um, congratulations to the team because they did an amazing job. They really did. I mean, it's, it's our first. Uh, it's as Garmin. It's our very first um, headset that we've ever made. Um, and we designed it from the ground up all in house um, and really learned a lot on how to make headsets, how to make things comfortable. Um, and I think we did it the Garmin way, which is just really, really focused on our customer and our customer in this case is uh, professional truck drivers. And we were just had that mindset the whole way through that for trust this, this headset is for professional truck drivers and it needs to be comfortable you need to be able to wear it all day it needs to be just it needs to just work really seamlessly it needs to have really long battery life we were able to achieve over 50 hours of continuous talk time um, which is just uh, uh, best in class um, and so it's, it's out there we've got noise cancellation I mean it's we've, we've put it all in there uh, with the truck driver in mind yeah, you just brought up something else I wanted to go back and touch on. Do you guys have some sort of secret when it comes to battery technology? My watch, you know, based on what settings, what things you turn on and off, my watch lasts like 28 days now on a charge. And it's it's probably going up because as much time as I spend out in the garden um, on the, the solar version, the other one, 28 days uh, you know, one of the problems I had, the watch that I was so excited about for all this stuff was the Apple Watch. I gave up on that thing early. You have to charge it every day. It, and it had some other pros. Much as I love Apple, I've had two Apple Watches, and I finally just gave up on them. I absolutely love my Garmin watch. And the fact that you guys got 
50 hours of talk time out of a headset like this is just incredible. Yeah, we really, I, the team's just, that's just kind of in our DNA at Garmin, uh, making things just work at a very, very low power, making sure that we're not wasting, wasted energy anywhere. And we're putting in the right, right battery sizes and we've got the right battery suppliers and all those types of things. We, we work really, really hard to make sure that we are uh, the best at battery life, especially in any of our wearable products. And obviously, we were able to leverage, you know, some of our wearable technology from uh, from the from the actual watches to, you know, now this is a, a headset. It's a wearable for your head. So, you know, we're able to so leverage that, that capability um, and try to do that really, really smartly. So, yeah, that's definitely something that Garmin is very, very good at. Absolutely, and it certainly came out in this product as well. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize how many um, like niche markets and verticals that Garmin really has, and and how deep they go into something like that. Like, you know, you have watches and wearables for very specific things for scuba divers and for triathletes and and the the product becomes so unique even though you know it might be a wearable looks just like another garmin wearable but their their design and features are so specific to that and the fact that you guys took on the trucking industry something nobody else ever really done this and you it just keeps getting better and better and now with this launch, um, the specifics you've done with all the settings on the watch, the things we've worked on with you on the health side, I mean, this has, has really come together as just an amazing suite of products, and there really isn't anything else like it. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, what we're, what we're doing is, is exactly like what you said. Our strategy overall is to find focused markets uh, where we can really, really get to know the customer, um, really, really get to kind of create that relationship between the products and the customers. And that's that's my whole role. My whole role is to just be in the mindset of a truck driver um, and to understand the, the difficulties of being out on the road every day um, and try to really focus on coming up with products um, that will make their lives easier. And, and that's what we do. That's what Garmin does. We do it across the board. Like you said, we've got lots and lots of focused markets where we've got engineers and, and people like myself who are diving in and really trying to understand those, those focused customers and trying to make sure that we're providing products that nobody else can provide. Absolutely. Hey, today is, is really good timing. This was a perfect day for you and I to get together on this. Um, one of the shows we do on Friday... Uh, we call it Trucking Technology and Efficiency, and I have two co-hosts that join me. Um, and one of them, um, just a, an owner-operator, part of a family trucking company, been driving forever. Um, something pretty unique. I started working on trying to figure out how to get trucks better fuel economy back in the early 90s. And I can remember, fuel was under a dollar a gallon, diesel fuel. You know, it, it was starting to spike in, in some times. But there were times back then fuel was under a dollar a gallon. And people would look at me and say, why are you spending money and wasting time trying to get better fuel economy? Who cares? And to me, I cared because even though diesel fuel was cheap, 
um, relatively cheap, it was still my biggest expense. I mean, in business, why wouldn't you try to spend less on your biggest expense, try to get more efficient at it? And I felt like I was the only one who really cared. Well, it turns out, um, Joel, who is one of my um, co-hosts on this show, he was doing the same thing. I didn't know it. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. But both of us have been working on this for a couple decades. My other co-host, uh, who now has his own company, is kind of a race engineer. He travels around and helps race teams. So, uh, But he also got a really early start in the trucking industry, so he really understands you know, the, the fuel and the truck side of it. And there's a lot of... Um, correlation between what they try to do on a racetrack, try to get, you know, one more second shaved off their time. All of those things really translate to also being more efficient, using less fuel. And um, so, and the big difference in racing is they have more money than, uh, you know, that's that's a rich man sport and they spend incredible amounts of money to get one more second. Um, so we're able to learn a lot from that. And so it, it's one of my favorite segments on the show. The reason I'm telling you this is because there, there's two tie-ins here. Um, we have been working on a project for a while. It's not even an official project yet, but I think we're getting close to kind of making it official and putting some structure around it. Um, we've been talking about this issue in trucking where we have a real conflict. We pay drivers by the mile. And what that means for them is the only real way for them to make more money is to drive more miles. Because you're limited on how many hours you can drive, the only way to get more miles is to drive faster. So when you look at a trucking company, their number one and number two costs are driver wages and fuel. And they flip back and forth. If fuel price goes under about $4 a gallon, then wages become the biggest cost. When fuel goes over $4 a gallon, sound familiar, like now at $5.80 or so, um, then fuel becomes the number one cost. But we, our system of paying drivers puts our two biggest costs in conflict with each other. You, the best way to get better fuel economy on a truck is just slow it down. It's just physics. And yet, if you slow down trucks, then drivers are mad because that eats into their pay. And this is a struggle. And I've often thought, why don't we fix this? Why don't they? And Joel and, and John are on board and we get this. And there's so many benefits to getting drivers to slow down. But if you pay them by the hour, that's going to be a big incentive. If we paid drivers by the hour and they weren't in such a hurry all the time, safety would go up. We'd use less fuel. We would pollute less. There, there's so many benefits if we could figure out a way to get the industry to start moving in this direction. So we sat down and we said, okay, let's try to quantify all of the benefits. Quantifying the fuel savings is easy. We've been doing it for decades. We know all the numbers. Um, we also, and Joel's been a big part of this, started quantifying maintenance savings. When you slow a truck down, let things wear out slower, they break less often. So we're starting to put numbers to that and quantifying that. Um, 
so we're looking at, you know, now safety is a big issue. Can we quantify that safety number? How much money will we save if we can slow drivers down and have fewer accidents? Then there was another one we were looking at, and I've been looking at it for years and talking about it, but we could never quantify it. And that's when you drive faster, you're under more stress. And I often thought, and I slowed down. During my driving career, I drove 57 miles an hour. Fuel's cheap, expensive, didn't matter. I drove 57 miles an hour. And I would try to tell people, look, this is so much more relaxing, so much less stressful. And now we have a way of measuring this. Um, Joel, we, we just gave Joel about a watch about a week ago or so, and I, I'm sure he's going to talk about it today. I think he's really excited about it too. Joel is like a data nerd, you know, and he's looking at this watch while he's driving and we're trying to quantify this, you know, driver health issue. And I, now it's all starting to come together. Like I said, I think we're going to start to put some framework around this project and, you know, try to come up with a way to help move the industry towards, you know, a different pay scale where the driver's time is accounted for. And we're not always making that driver feel like he's just rushed and he's got to go, go, go to make any money. Um, So that uh, the watch is just going to become such an integral part of this because now with the watch, we can measure stress in real time. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that watch is, is designed just, just for these kinds of things. It's, it's really meant for, for driver health and wellness. It's meant for driver convenience. But, you know, those, those health metrics that we're able to measure right there on the wrist um, can be used in several different ways. And it's, it's cool to hear the creative ideas that the, you and your, your team are coming up with on how to use it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's one. And then I'm just going to touch on this real quick, and I don't want to give too much away, but actually um – I'm going to be reaching out to you here in a little bit and talk about a meeting off the air um, with these two because we have another kind of big idea. Um, again, really targeting efficiency and safety in the truck. And I, I think Garmin could play a big role in this. So um, just a heads up, I'll probably be sending in an email soon to see if we can set up some time for a, to talk about a project like that. Sounds great, Kevin. All right. So uh, what else? Not that that wasn't enough. This is a a huge announcement. And just, I don't know if I said this or not, the headsets are available on our website right now, letstruck.com. We've got them in. Um, We'll get them out to you. They are incredible. Um, Do you have anything else? Let me check and see if we have questions too. It looks like we might. Um, I want to make sure I kept interrupting you, so I want to make sure you have time to get out everything you wanted to get out today. For sure, yeah, we've got one more product announcement that I want to get get through for sure. Go ahead, let's do it. Oh, all right. So, as with the headset on the same day, we announced the next generation diesel OTR series as well. Um, and so this is the, the kind of continuation of what we did two years ago when we announced the, the, the OTR series uh, to begin with. So that's the, uh, you know, this is our main, our main flagship product. These are our navigators. Um, like, uh, and the new, new generation comes in 6, 7, 8, and 10-inch models. So we kind of have the whole uh, 
the whole gamut of screen size covered. Uh, so you can go six, seven, eight, or 10, uh, with 10 being, um, the flagship product. Um, really excited about uh, the diesel OTR series that we're calling it the X10 series. And so it's either the 610, 710, 810, or 1010. Um, and these are all available now. They're on the market. Um, you can get them anywhere you want to get them. Um, and so, um, really excited about what these, these products are going to bring. We've, we kind of have kept the things that we did really well with the original OTR series. We've been very pleased and feel like the drivers have really appreciated all of our mounting solutions. Um, and so the powered magnetic mount for the eight and 10 inch are, are, are the same. We haven't changed that. And so the way that this, uh, the product interacts, um, in the cab, uh, has not changed. And so, um, that's, um, we're kind of building off of that success. But the things that we have changed are on the software side of things. Um, we have added some really great features, uh, to kind of help simplify your life out on the road. Um, the biggest of those features is, is satellite imagery. Um, you know, the story that I, I hear a lot and the one that really kind of got me going on, on this feature is just that, you know, drivers would often, um, often just really want to get that last mile down really well. They really want to know where they're going. They don't want to get in a bad spot with their truck. They want to know exactly, um, where they're headed. And that's where we were, we were falling a little bit short. We weren't able to get them exactly where they wanted to go on the map. Um, and so, um, we have brought satellite imagery in that's going to automatically download, um, around your destination. So it's as simple as you type in your destination, you either type in the address or the point of interest and you hit go. Um, and as soon as you hit go, we're downloading that satellite imagery, um, to your device, um, and it'll pop up and, uh, the driver will be able to plan their arrival at their convenience at that point. So, um, you know, they can, they can click on that, uh, that plan arrival tool uh, that'll show that kind of gorgeous high resolution satellite imagery and they can see their destination and they can see the satellite imagery around it. And with that, you have that, all that extra context of knowing how to get through that last mile. So, um, you can go in and you can create custom points um, with the satellite imagery. So you can look at it and you can say, Hey, look, there's, there's the loading dock that I'm actually wanting to go to. And I can click that right there on the loading dock, or I can click on the security security shed or I can click on the truck entrance or wherever it is that I want my navigator to take me to. I can click on the spot on the map that I want the, the navigator to take me to and I can categorize it. I can save it. And the navigator will, instead of taking you to the front door, it'll take you exactly where you want to go. And you have all that context of the satellite imagery to kind of help that experience be as seamless as possible. So that's the biggest amazing new feature is that satellite imagery. We've added a lot of other great things uh, to help planning be simplified, uh, to be able to kind of plan your stops along your route, a really beautified uh, route planning tool um, that allows you to plan your stops um, at your convenience, uh, right around your kind of hours of uh, hours of service requirements. You know, you've got to have a nice stop at eight hours uh, to get your 30 minute break and you need your you know, overnight stays and those kinds of things are easy to find uh, and easy to plan. Um, and so all those things on the eight and the 10 inch, we've also added a split screen map tool. Uh, this one actually came from feedback that came straight from, um, some of the, some of the trucking tribe. Um, we had several people in the original OTR series ask for that, where they could have, you know, a split screen on those larger displays on the eight and the 10, 10 inch displays to be able to kind of see both your, you kind of turn by turn navigation on one half of the screen and then your overall route um, will be shown on the, on the other half of the screen. So you kind of get that dual context of what's going on. So we added that feature as well. So just a lot of really, really great things 
uh, that just have taken the OCR series kind of from its its first uh, step, and now we've I think we've really kind of fine tuned a lot of great features uh, for our truck drivers and, and within navigation here. So it's a it's a great new product series, and it's available everywhere. Yeah, it, it's available at our store, letstruck.com. The, this satellite imagery feature is really awesome. So when Google Earth first came out, um, you know, the ability to kind of look mm-hmm. down and get pretty close, sometimes even street level, and, um, you know, that was a, a pretty big game changer. Think about, you know, when I go out and travel now or when I used to drive a truck, um, of the route, almost everywhere in the country, uh, most truck drivers can get to without a map. I mean, you know, after you've been driving a truck for a couple years around the country, there's only so many interstates. I mean, just about everybody learns how to get from, you know, Austin to Seattle or, you know, whatever. 90% of the time, I don't even really need a map. Most truck drivers don't. When we need it the most is that kind of that final mile kind of thing. And that's where the technology was the weakest, when I needed it the most is when it just didn't work as good as I wanted it to. And especially in a truck, you know, if I'm in a car, get me close to the building and I'm going to be fine in a truck, get me close to the building, but the dock is on the other side and there's a, you know, 11 foot bridge in between. How did I get here and how do I get to where I need to be? And it's so frustrating Uh, for me. Um, when I travel in the coach and I take my trailer with me, I'm the same length as a truck. I'm 73 feet long and I'm going into RV parks and places that were never designed for vehicles that big. So I started using Google earth, you know, first I'd go plan my route, then I'd set up my GPS and then I go, okay, that last you know, 500 feet is the most important. And I'd go open another app and try to look at it and figure out, okay, now I got to go back and make adjustments. So the ability now to do this all right within um, the GPS itself is just incredible. Uh, that, that, was a re- that was a game changer for me. I mean, that's going to save me a ton of time when I um, plan my stops every day. Yeah, that's, that's the story that I heard time and time again talking to drivers. Uh, it's just that, you know, they, they love the Garmin experience. They love the navigation experience. They use it all the time. But that at, at the very end, they would get to the to that last mile and they would stop. They'd pull over and they'd pull out their phone and they'd pull out Google satellite imagery <laughs> right. so that they could get the satellite imagery yep. um, in their heads and know exactly where they want to go. And it's like, well, no, I don't want we don't need them doing that. Why don't we just bring the satellite imagery to you on the nice, gorgeous 10 inch display that's right there in front of them already. Um, and then integrate that in with their navigation experience so they can go exactly where they want to go. And I think that's, uh, that's a great story. And I think that's, uh, hopefully going to really make uh, driver's lives a lot easier uh, with this feature, um, going forward. Hey, uh, I, I just checked, um, Eric, you might be our most popular guest this week. We've got all kinds of people that want to talk to you. All right. Yeah. Let's. Uh, well, great. Let's let's take some calls. Yeah. Let's get to it. Let's uh, let's start off in West Virginia. Rod, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Hey, uh, I was wondering if there's any way uh, for for Garmin to in- integrate uh, construction zone 
and accident information into the into their display. You know, if you use the Google, uh, which is no good for trucks, but but you got to use it sometimes to get around stuff. Uh, is there any movement, or have you made any progress in doing something like that? So I'll answer and say yes. Um, so I guess the, the 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 question in my mind is is kind of like um, we do have that feature in our in our navigators. We have a, a traffic traffic um, built in, and so that traffic should provide um, information like upcoming. Uh, it should warn you when there's upcoming construction zones or any type of traffic events that could be up in front of you. Um, and that all comes through uh, the diesel mobile application um, for any of the OTR devices. Um, and so should have that information as part of your navigation experience day to day. And if you're not getting that with, with Garmin or for some reason it's not as uh, comprehensive as, you, as you'd like, um, that, that'd be great information I can take as feedback um, to try to keep, keep improving it. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, let's go to Tennessee. Chris, it's your turn. Welcome to the program. Morning, Kevin. Um, I wanted to talk about Bluetooth, but one thing first. Um, as a heavy record operator, I tend to use the Waze app to help pinpoint my customer's location. Is there any way of sending that data to the uh, navigation device? Because Waze will get you in trouble since you're in a big rig instead of a car. Yeah, so you you have like a pinpoint location coming from Waze, something like either like a, a GPS coordinates or, or or an address that you're that you have in Waze, and you'd like to be able to share it into the diesel navigator. Is that right? I, I get a general location from the customer, either broken down on the side of the road or the police for an accident, and I'll use the Waze app to where other drivers have already tagged the accident breakdown to pinpoint the location I'm going to. But the Waze app was designed for cars and not a uh, heavy wrecker towing 75 feet of semi. Gotcha. So, um, yes, you can do that. You would have to use the diesel mobile app to pull that off. Um, but yes, if you're able to copy the location out of ways, um, you can paste it um, right into the diesel the diesel mobile application on your phone, um, and then it'll send that to your navigator. Okay. And then the, the reason I called is one thing I would like to see is a navigator, as you're calling it, that can also double as a Bluetooth hub so connecting the other Bluetooth devices and then connecting everything to the stereo and the dash so that I have one set of speakers that I listen to, listen, can listen to everything on navigation prompts, the music and if, and phone calls, even if using the microphone for the Bluetooth connectivity on the uh, radio. I'll jump in here, mm-hmm. Eric, and that then, even, then you can follow up. Yeah, I'll I'll jump in and then Eric, you can follow up. So part of the problem here and Bluetooth just sucks. 
I, you know, I can't believe we didn't come up with a better technology than Bluetooth. After all this time, we just kind of had it. We settled on it. Now everybody uses it. But um, the biggest problem here is kind of the limitations around the Bluetooth itself, which is exactly the problem I ran into. My story today in my open, that's what I was trying to do, make everything work together. I have a nice, you know, in-dash stereo that I just upgraded. I've got my phone connected to that stereo because all my, you know, audio books, news, music, everything really comes from my phone to play through there. I had the bluetooth headset a different variety i have the gps the navigator and they can all talk to each other because they're all bluetooth and i got everything to work perfect except one thing every time i took a phone call my and i'm listening to an audiobook on my speakers not a headset because i'd much rather listen on speakers while i'm driving the call comes in the headset would grab the Bluetooth call perfectly, but when I hung up and it went back to an audiobook or the news or music, the headset wouldn't let go of it. And I had to go through several steps to get the audio back to my speakers. That went away with the Garmin. And I think it's because it's Garmin everything now, because I, I couldn't figure out why it was working that way before, but it's not doing that anymore. So we still have all the limitations of Bluetooth, but by far, this is the best setup I've been able to put together with the fewest amount of Bluetooth issues. But you're having to use the headset to make that happen? Uh, it was the head. Yeah, when I was using a different brand of headset, that was where the problem would come in. When I'd end the call, the headset wasn't letting go of the audio. Once I switched to the Garmin headset, then it all worked. Now, Bluetooth and phones and stereos, sometimes they all act differently. You may have a phone and a stereo that you don't have that problem. I don't know. But I do know that when, when I have everything in the Garmin lineup, now it all works for me. Well, I use an uh, iPhone as my personal phone and an Android phone as my work phone, and then I have the iPad because I like to use the music. <laughs> yeah. It's so, a yeah, so now we've complicated things a little more. Um, yeah, and, and this is kind of part of the issue. We have all these devices and everybody's got Bluetooth and everything works a little different. And then you know, we can pile on even more issues. You can get everything working perfectly and one of these devices does an update and everything stops working right. So just like as a, as a company, we have been been you know totally committed to apple products from start to finish in our company infrastructure we do that for a lot of reasons one it's a quality product they work really well but two everything plays so much better together you know in the windows world when everybody makes different products trying to get them all to play together isn't always easy and then like i said somebody does an update and you got to go back and fix it all again we found when we stick with one product line May not be perfect, but it's always better. And now that's the case in the yeah. truck cab. Now I can stick with Garmin for virtually, you know, almost every device I need in there, and it's really working well. Now, does this new Navigator have a uh, dash cam built in? 
Eric? Sorry, I had a little bit of a technical difficulty there, but I'm back. Okay. Um, the question was, does the, and I'll let you answer it, um, does the Navigator have a dash cam built in? So no, the Navigator does not have a dash cam built in. Um, we have we have sold those in the past, and I can definitely say that we are not done selling those. <laughs> we don't have any product announcements um, at this time uh, around a a navigator with a dash cam built in. My brother has one with the dash cam. He wouldn't say he absolutely loves it, but he really likes it. The reason he doesn't love it is it doesn't move quite enough to get the angle on the screen he wants. He still has that cam pointed forward. Gotcha. And that's the biggest downside. That's the biggest downside to having. Now you have a separate camera, but the biggest downside to have, and it, I, I get it. It's another cord. It's another device. I, I feel the same way, but I can tell you that in my coach, it, it wouldn't work for me. There isn't a good place for me to put that navigator where I can see it and reach it properly. And the camera still works correctly. That'd be my issue. Maybe a detachable camera that you can then connect it to the navigator with a cable. Yes, and we can do that. Absolutely, we can do that today. Um, so there's a, a we sell dash cams, uh, independent dash dash cams. Um, anything you want, anything you want from a dash cam perspective, we've we've got a product for from a from a low end product that's like we sell you know, like one twenty nine up to you know the full like high res crazy field of view you know type of the dash cam solution. So we've got we've got a whole suite of dash cam solutions out there. Um, and the great thing with those, if you have one of the eight or the ten inch uh, products, um, so the the eight and the ten have the powered magnetic mount, um, and that powered magnetic mount does have a USB port um, in it that you can power a dash cam from. What is that powered magnetic mount? It's, this shows the first I've heard of it. Uh, powered mag- magnetic mount is for the eight and the ten inch navigators. So the OTR eight hundred, eight ten, or ten ten products. Um, it'll basically, it's just, it's just the mount that the, that the, that the display mounts to, um, instead of a, so the suction cup will go to this, um, powered, uh, little hockey puck looking thing. And then you basically, it's got strong magnets in it that you can just throw your tablet, um, and it'll just magnet right to there. And that's where it's going to get its power, um, and stays mounted for you, but it's easy to pull up and down, um, off of the dash, um, via the magnet. I'll tell you that. That, so may use a that may seem like a little thing. That's one, It's actually a really big feature for me. One of the things where I have my navigator set up in the coach, when I try to put my front curtains out at night, it's a motorized curtain, and the curtain runs right into the navigator, mm-hmm. and i got to stand there and try to feed it around it. Um, the other thing, I, so it's easy for me at the end of the day before I close the curtain, I just, just grab the navigator, and I just drop it onto the driver's seat and let it sit there. And like you said, you can almost toss it back at the mount, and it goes right into place. The other thing I use it for a lot is when I get up in the morning, I like to plan my trip for the day and check the route and see what's going on. And I, But I can go in the back and have my coffee and just walk up and grab it, just pull it right off the mount, 
walk right back up there and slap it right back on. I absolutely love that feature. Is there an option to mount it directly to the face of the dash? I have a large area, about five by five inches, that I could attach something to, but not with a suction cup. So, yes, um, we have quite a bit of mounting versatility in there. So the um, uh, the back of the Navigators has, uh, especially the, the 8 and the 10-inch products, right, the ones with the powered magnetic mount, you can, uh, the back of that powered magnetic mount, you can swap the way that it connects. Um, you can actually put a, a ram ball on the back side of that um, with an amp pattern. And so you, it actually has a, a way of screwing. Uh, you, you, you should be able to screw down um, some sort of, uh, of mount um, to this. So there, there's several ways you could do it um, with a kind of more permanent installation to an area like that. Um, it just kind of, uh, we, we, we give you the capability to do it. Um, but it's going to be kind of a, a custom installation at that point. So you kind of have to yeah. um, have to look at your truck, figure out what's the best way to get there. But the, all the tools to, to do it, um, as far as mounting on the, on the navigators itself, um, it should be pretty easy to do. All right. Yeah, hey, so Chris, uh, thanks for the call. We're going to cut you loose because we are getting slammed with calls. Let's, uh, let's keep moving. Johnny in Indiana, welcome to the program. Oh, Johnny just disappeared. Let's go to Nebraska. Grant, welcome to the program. Hello, good morning. Uh, I actually just bought a 1000 yesterday because Flying J by me had them on sale for $200 off, and I had $300 in points. So it looked like uh, I'm getting a good navigator for about $350. Um, and so now I'm kind of excited to try out the watch i currently have a samsung watch and i like some of the features but it's four years old does the new uh i believe it's the, the instinct 2 diesel um does that have like the the widgets or stuff like for you so you can have different options on the display like scroll inside the side or whatever yes so you, there's a whole widget loop in there that has you know all the all the different features in it from your from your notifications to your um, to your weather to heart rate to step counting. You know all those kinds of things are all part of the watch. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, like on my uh, my Samsung one. Oh, hey, yeah, uh, Grant. Sorry to interrupt you. Let me jump in there. I wanted to talk about that this morning, but I had so many other things. I must have skipped that note. Um, the couple of the most recent upgrades on the health side on the watch all of the stuff that i use the body battery the instant stress reading all of those things it used to be that i would open the app virtually every time i wanted to see something the last couple of upgrades have made it so easy to see stuff on the watch now that I only open my app about once a week. I open the app once a week to kind of update everything, see what my averages were for the week. But it has become so easy now to monitor this stuff directly on the watch that I hardly ever open the app. And I used to open the app and use it 10 times a day. Okay. Like the the, the little, I'm going to call them widgets because that's what Samsung calls them. Um, There's one that's like a current calendar and then they have shortcuts for calling contact since, you know, we're not supposed to use our phone while driving. Um, I, I'm kind of 
I'm still using a device, but it's attached to my wrist. So that makes it hand free. Right. Um, that way I can call people at the office for work or whatever, without picking my phone up. Uh, does Garmin offer something like that? So we definitely do show your calendar and your, and your upcoming, um, calendar events and those kinds of things. As far as making calls from the watch, there, there are some kind of rudimentary phone controls to be able to like hang up and um, answer an incoming call, those kinds of things. You can do that from the watch. If you get an incoming call, you can press a little button that'll answer it from the watch and then it'll go to whatever audio source um, if, if your phone is set to at that point. Um, so there is some of that. I, I don't know if you're going to get quite as um, extensive. There's not going to be like... Um, saved contacts in your watch uh, that you probably are getting on your Samsung watch. Um, so slightly different experience, I'd say. Okay. Uh, and then you guys talking and brought up some other questions. Do you sell accessories for the 1000 OTR, like a rubber case or, or screen protectors? No, we don't. Those are pretty readily av- available online. If you just search for them, um, you know, they, they can get there, but there aren't any Garmin made protectors or, or rubber cases or anything like that. We, we kind of have the philosophy that we just make the product super rugged. Um, gotcha. So it, it, it should be just fine out of the box and you shouldn't have any problems with it. You should be able to throw it around the truck cab um, without much problem at all. So you shouldn't have to baby it. All right. Yeah, um, I have one of the original Let's Truck that teamed up with Rand McNally. Uh, my I don't even know how old this thing is, but it's still barely kicking. And I got the rubber case on it so it doesn't bounce on the dash going down these rough Nebraska roads. And so I was just mm-hmm. wondering if so I can just get on Amazon and find something. All right. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, – hey, um, Eric, I figure I better ask you this. Uh, what? How long are you good for? I'm good for as long as you need me oh, this morning. That's so pretty awesome. My, my big – task for the morning is to just hang out with you guys. Excellent. Um, so in about 10 minutes, um, we kind of sort of switch over to trucking technology and efficiency. I told, talked about John and Joel, they'll be jumping in. Um, they're both huge Garmin fan. Um, John has been a huge Garmin fan forever. He's a big cyclist. And um, Joel, like I said, we got him the watch last week, and I I think he's pretty excited. So um, I'll bring those guys in. We can talk about, you know, technology, and we can keep answering questions. And uh, if you need to go at any point, just let me know. But the calls just are not stopping. I mean, I I really, I think we're going to set some sort of a record today, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Let's go to Alabama. Chip, welcome to the program. Hey, how y'all doing today? Good. What can we help you with? Yeah, I wanted to ask about the Garmin. I'm a big fan. I've used Garmin for a long time, and I've got the uh, Diesel 1000. Is this new technology, is it going to be compatible with this Diesel 1000? The Google Maps. I'm talking about you were saying... uh, Kind of like Google Earth would be. Oh, uh, the satellite imagery. Yeah, yeah, the satellite imagery. We we make you buy the new one for that. That's kind <laughs> of a you know, that's a good a good business uh-huh. model for to make you get the new one to get the key new feature. Uh, so yeah, so you okay. would need the diesel ten ten for that. Okay. Um, 
and another thing, the, the old Garmin's, you know, several generations back, you know, like I'll get a, a dress on a bill laden and say it might say Airport Road, and it doesn't come up in the GPS because the actual name of it might be Messer Airport, you know, or, or, or something like that. You used to be able, or they got it spelled wrong on the bill laden. You used to be able to put in the the uh, the zip code and then search through all the roads in that zip code when you had a problem like that. And I, I don't the new ones you, you uh, got rid of that feature. I, I was wondering if there's any plans of bringing something like that back because I've I've had that problem where the, the street spelled wrong or you know it's a hyphenated name and they didn't put the other part on there. Is there Mm-hmm. No, I get your I get your issue there for sure. I'll I'll take that note down um, and, and see where where that feature kind of went and see if there's um, any plans to bring it back. Because um, that that was really helpful, you know. Like if they misspelled the name or you know it was hyphenated or you know yeah for sure. I can, I can definitely see that use case. Uh, so that that's definitely one for me to. For me to take down and uh, to use as, uh, as as ammunition for for future products for future features, so I appreciate yeah, that. It, it used to be in there, and now it, they took it away. But that's been several uh, GPSs back that they took that out. I just didn't. I always liked it and didn't know why. Realized, yeah, you know, didn't know why they took it out. Yeah, we try to be, so now we have uh, we have what's called universal search. So you should be able to just kind of go in and just start searching. Um, and so then if you misspell something slightly or you forget a hyphen or those kinds of things, we we try to be smart about about finding, the, still, still getting you a relevant result um, by just kind of allowing you to, to type it in as you, as you see fit up into the universal search. I'm hopeful that, hopeful that, that, that still is, Serving at least some of the purpose, um, but I, I do get if you really are kind of lost and the information you have isn't isn't perfect, you got to try to find the, the right answer. That sometimes uh, it can be frustrating uh, trying to type something in that you know is wrong and still try to get to the right answer. So uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like uh, U.S. Highway, whatever it might be in there, just under U.S. instead of mm-hmm. Highway, you know. Some of that, it doesn't seem, though. I hadn't seen where it helped you very much. I don't know. Y'all might work on that. But anyway, uh, again, I'm a big fan of uh, the product. I just wish they'd uh, make them with uh, more more memory so you wouldn't have to replace them so much. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, the, my, my last the, one. When I went. The, the one thing I have figured out about technology you will always upgrade. It's impossible to, to, to not. I mean, we try in our company. We, you know, we don't want to constantly keep changing things, but sometimes you're just absolutely forced to. You know, the, the technology that we base some of our products on changes now because everything's so interconnected and uh, it, it, it's just the world we live in. You just constantly upgrade technology. Nah, yeah, I'm, 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 I know that. It's just, uh, I, I, I get it. Sometimes you just wish you could use <laughs> I, one a little longer. 
I I get it. You get tired of changing and upgrading and buying, but. Uh, um, you know, Eric, I, I was just thinking today because I was going through a lot of this technology stuff and I, I thought back about how long I've been using Apple products. Um, and then I thought about how long I've been using computers. I'm, I'm coming up on 40 years. I built my first computer in 1984. Yep. It changed a little bit since then. They have changed a little bit, but the one thing that hasn't changed is what he just talked about. No matter how hard you try, yeah. you can't stand still with technology. It is a constant progression forward. Uh, we've got a ton of calls, so I'm going to get right back to them. Let's go to Ohio. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Good to talk to you. Um, I just uh, purchased that. Uh, a new, I guess not a navigator, but I guess it's a diesel 10 or the 8, whichever one it is that I got. And the issue I've got with it is when I receive a call from someone, I guess it's because like you are talking about earlier on the headset issue, that the navigator or the diesel 10 will take over the call and I'll sit there and go back and forth on my Apple phone get to go stay on my headset so i guess mm. i gotta do that but the issue so, also i have with it go ahead oh i can fix that problem for you um if you go into the settings the bluetooth settings on, on your device um and you just click on where your phone is listed in the bluetooth settings your phone will be listed there if you click on the little there's a little gear sitting next to it if you click on that then you'll you'll see some op- pop up one of those options is hands-free, um, and you're going to want to okay. uncheck. You want to uncheck hands-free on the diesel device um, so that it won't take over the calls. Um, okay, yeah. And then, then, the, then the phone audio will never go to the diesel if you uncheck that. Right, okay. Um, and I'm kind of upset because, I, like I said, I just, just got this unit not a month ago from this Ledge truck store, and so I don't have the new thing but the other issue i have is i put in addresses and i've got a separate issue on the navigation because i'll put in the full address and it'll go to load it up and then the screen will go into like the buffering and then it just goes back to whatever and says i didn't put anything in it have you you know what caused that have you done all the upgrades I just got it. Well, like I said, and I, I don't mean upgrade. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the wrong word. Update. You know, one of the things a yeah, lot of people. Yeah, do- I've okay. updated. Okay. I was going to say yeah, most of the time it. when you take a product out of the box, almost all technology products should be updated that day. You got to remember that stuff's probably oh, yeah. been in the supply chain for months and one of the first things right. I do when I get a new product is go see if there are any updates to it right away. Software updates, what I'm talking about. Yeah, I've, I've updated it twice since I've had it, actually. Okay. Eric, any ideas on that one? Yeah. yeah, so it sounds like you're typing in an address and it's just not it's not finding it. It's just kind of spinning forever and not, not finding no, it. No, it doesn't spin forever. You know, it, it, like the circle it shows for the buffering. The circle mm-hmm. will go maybe halfway, and then it'll just go into 
just total stop, and then the screen will go back to what it was before. You know, just show the map that I had. Is this during like a route calculation or during like a search? No, I was just searching for an address. Searching for an address. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. exactly what would cause that for being for that just kind of quitting the search about halfway through. It sounds like uh, you're. Does it happen consistently with different addresses, or is it like certain addresses causing? Well, it, it, there's there's certain addresses, and and another thing too is like if I put it in, you know, manually, it'll do that. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I'll just do it with voice and voice recognition, and mm-hmm. then the address will go in. But if I then if I go back and I try to put it in manually again, it'll do the same exact thing. Well, that's and then there's times I've done I've done the opposite. I try to put it in, you know, with voice, and it'll show on there, but then it'll do the same thing and go back. But then when I manually put it in, it'll go in. It's like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, I would definitely, um, I, I would recommend um, if, if you keep running into that issue fairly consistently, it might be worth a, a call to Garmin customer support at that point uh, and just make sure that your, your product is working the way it's supposed to. Um, they should be able to walk through making sure that everything's updated the way it should be and that uh, they should be able to kind of reproduce the issue on their side as well if you're if you're able to walk them through what you're what you're doing um, and so we've got a great customer support uh, definitely give them a shout out they're doing they do awesome awesome work um, we have a lot of products <laughs> and so, um, yeah they well, be able to take care of you. yeah yeah the whole reason I want I had, I mean, I'd had it for probably six years, and I'd it'd go the screen would go black, it'd be, but it'd be talking to me, and then I'd shut it off and leave it off for a while, and then turn it on the next day, and it'd work for about three or four hours, and do the same thing. So finally, I broke down and bought me a new one. <laughs> there you go. All right, thanks for the call. We've got uh, we've got a bunch to get through. We're going to move a little quicker through the calls because we have a lot of them let's go to kentucky joe welcome to the program i'm also going to be bringing in uh john and joel after this call because i see they're up on the board uh joe welcome yes sir yeah a question for uh, eric regarding the weight restrictions or perceived restrictions within mapping software i run somewhat at the on seven axles so I change my profiles quite frequently on the device. And uh, it seems I'm sorted one of two ways. Either it thinks there's a weight restriction on a route that I absolutely know there is none, and it routes you 180 miles around a void, or it thinks based probably on proximity points that an adjoining road close to your route is making the avoidance making you go around. Kevin might relate that in Pennsylvania. Western Pennsylvania we go to are all in steel around the area and uh, a lot of little roads over there that do have restrictions but uh, it wants you to go quite a ways around just to get to a place that you know you can go to. So, didn't know if there's anything in the works that could address that. You know, for sure, that is something that I've, I've heard that story pretty significantly, um, you know, where 
uh, our our truck routing that's based off the vehicle profile it just uh, isn't always perfect, and, or that you guys will, uh, or there'll be some something in our database that's not not perfect. Um, like there'll be some bridge or some overpass that just doesn't have the right data in it, and you guys know that you can drive on it, and um, we think that you can't. Um, and so that's that's something that we're we are very very aggressive about working with if we get those feed that feedback coming from drivers um there is a way to, to provide you know specific feedback like if there's really a specific place on the map or a specific you know bridge or specific overpass that is causing you head something that you drive through consistently there is a way to report those map errors into garmin uh, via our customer support or our website um and we very aggressively work with our um map suppliers to get those results as quickly as possible Okay. And if there's a way to, to add a function in the device itself to where you can note a discrepancy in the routing or maybe that's something you could entertain in the future? Yeah, that is something I've, I've considered quite a bit. Um, I do think we've got some some things in mind for, for, for future generations that could really make that a lot better for you guys. So um, I do plan on making it better. Um, just don't have it in there just yet. All right. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's, uh, all right. I'm just going to bring John and Joel in all at the same time. So all four of us can talk over each other now. Uh, Eric, um, (laughs) we've got uh, John Walco and Joel Morrow with us for trucking technology and efficiency. And I thought we'd just run the two shows together today because it's really what we're talking about right now, all kinds of great trucking technology. So, uh, John, you're first up on the board. Welcome back. Hi, Kevin. Sorry to miss you guys last week. Um, I was in the central time zone, and I had my time mixed up when I thought I could make it on, and then I realized we had a session exactly. Hey, hey John, I, I have no idea yeah. what's going on, but I'm pretty sure we need to send you a, uh, a new Garmin headset because I can't understand you right now. Hold on, let me, let me get off my... Uh... How's that? Oh, hey, yeah. Hey, Kevin? Yeah. I think I need a headset also. Yeah, you guys are sounding bad. I'm going to talk to the warehouse today and get some headsets <laughs> sent out to you guys. Am I better now? <laughs> yeah, send me one, yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and tell, while the Garmin guys are on, tell Lisa to get me that price on that bicycle computer or tell them I'm going to buy a Amberhead instead. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll we'll work on that. We'll work on that. All right. So, uh, hey, hey, Joel, you you sound a little excited about your watch. Oh wow! This thing is this is awesome. This is this is a uh, a potential game changer as far as I'm concerned. So you know my thoughts on hours of service, and you know we're we're regulated by the hour, paid by the mile. I think that's a disaster waiting to happen. You know we we talk about slowing down and all the benefits it brings, and you know hours of service in my mind is a very static solution, chiseled in stone. You have so many hours, and that's it. So we look at quality of sleep, and we look at our our body battery, you know, how cool would it be to say, okay, I got X amount of sleep and my body battery is this, I get an extra two hours of drive today. That's I mean, pretty that awesome. would be just, 
freaking awesome. Yeah, especially when we talk about driving slower, there's a certain amount of stress involved with, am I going to make my delivery because I'm up against this clock all the time? And if your stress levels are low and your rest is good and your body battery looks good, let's give that guy a little extra time on his hours of service. I, I mean, this thing could be just be huge. It, it It is pretty incredible to be able to get that instant feedback on something that I will tell you in the past, before we had this, every time I would talk to somebody about stress, I swear the people, and we have other ways that we could see stress, not in real time. Our NutriQ, we can pick it up. There are some symptoms we can look at. It, it was incredible how the people, when I looked at the records I can use, I'd look at it and go, boy, this, this guy is really stressed. He, he, you know, it's bad. I get him on the phone and they're like, oh, no, that stuff doesn't bother me. It's like water off a duck's back. And I'm like, uh, no, that's not what your symptoms are telling me. It is shocking how people don't realize. There are a lot of people who don't, th- oh, no, that stuff doesn't bother me. And they have no idea how stressed they are. I, I was one of those, you know, you get used to something and you get used to a certain level of stress and you think it doesn't bother me. And, you know, it, meanwhile, when you look at the industry as a whole, we have the lowest life expectancy of just about any employment group out there as truck drivers, but every truck driver you talk to, well, I'm not under any stress and this doesn't bother me, but we're dropping like flies out here. You know, I, you know what I mean? And, um, this thing would just be so awesome to, finally be able to make hours of service dynamic and to fit individuals, you know, have that baseline. It is what it is, you know, 11 hours or whatever that that's our baseline. But man, if you got good readings, uh, why not give them a little, little more time to do their job in a, in a safe fashion, if they're awake and alert and, and understand what's going on and you can track that level of stress and fatigue. Um, Wow. Dynamic solutions. I love them. You know, I'm all trying to be proactive and I love a dynamic solution. Um, everything we do out here happens, obviously dynamic, nothing chiseled in stone, hours of service. The way that we've done it is just outdated. And to be able to apply technology like this to an hours of service solution, man, this, uh, that would just be gold. So, Eric, one of the things that we're doing, and, and Joel's just a you know, perfect test bed for this, the, the, the three of us are just total data nerds. So the more numbers we can get, the more excited we get. Um, we get all geeky about it. But one of the things we're testing is the effect of speed on stress levels. You know, what happens to a driver when they're driving 75 instead of 65? One of the things I've identified, which is kind of interesting, because the government's answer to this is they are pushing for mandatory speed limiters on trucks. I think it's a horrible idea for a lot of reasons. One, I don't want the government involved. Two, it's Joel going back to set in stone it's too set in stone now we're going to have trucks drag racing each other and taking 10 miles to pass because all the trucks are going the same speed there's just so many problems with mandating it on the truck itself and the other thing that it will do I believe if you mandate it and I have a feeling we could test this with the watch. When you mandate it, I have a feeling that even though we now have the driver going slower, he's going to be more stressed because we forced him to do it. 
and he has no option. And when he needs to go a little bit faster, he can't. So I think we're, we're, you know, we may get the safety benefit of slowing trucks down. We're not certainly not going to get the health benefit. But when we can convince drivers, one, if we could go to an hourly pay, then it becomes easy. But if we could convince drivers that there really are benefits that we can measure and show you for slowing down, and then they get to choose. Do you want these benefits? Slow down, you get them. If you don't, don't then. Don't slow down. Um, the people who make the choice will reap the benefits of less stress by slowing down. So I think the the idea that we're working on here as a group of starting to move towards other pay models is far better than the government saying every truck has to go 66 miles an hour. I, I agree. And, you know, I, I think being able to work on an individual basis to, just to see, you know, how well did he sleep? How alert is that driver? How likely is he to be alert during the rest of the day? And then allowing that, man, if you could tie that to like your hours of service somehow and say, okay, he scored this, this, and this, he gets an extra two hours to drive today, or he gets an extra hour, whatever that number is, however you would set that. I think that makes all kinds of sense because not everybody's the same. Um, yeah. you know, you know, people react to stress in, in different ways. And, and this hey. thing just opens up so many doors to have a dynamic approach here. Not only is, is not everybody the same, but each one of us will not be the same tomorrow as we are today. You, oh, no, no doubt. We are absolutely in, no doubt. We are very dynamic. Uh, Eric, one of the things we've always talked about with hours of service is that there is no, I want to say perfect, but there isn't even a good hours of service because it just doesn't match how the human body works. I've talked about many times. You can even have what you think was eight hours of sleep, but for some reason, every driver's experienced this. You wake up, you get in the seat, you're just exhausted. All I, all I want to do is pull over and take a nap. And the hours of service really, really fight against that. But there are other times where I've been going for 12 or 14 hours and I still feel incredible and I know I'm safe. But I can't drive more because those hours of service say I can't. Now, I can wake up and look at my stress levels and body battery and know exactly how I'm going to feel before I even get in the seat. It's that accurate you know what, for I've, me that I know how I'm going to feel. I've used, I've used this with my dispatch already. You know, I've called them and said, hey, my body battery's run a little bit low. Don't be surprised. You know, if, if I need to pull over something today and just yesterday I had a, a, a good night's sleep and my body battery looked good. And so I just flipped it over to dispatch and said, Hey man, you know, I, I'm good to go today. We can, Load. we can push things. Load so me up. Just, I mean, really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, Eric, what do you think? I think that's all great. I mean, like you guys are talking about being data nerds obviously Garmin is just a, a company full of a bunch of data nerds we, we love that stuff we, we we just we feed on it and it's really cool to hear um how something like this how the product could be used in, in a way that could really benefit benefit drivers in, in such a such a dynamic and data-driven way i think that's really cool so yeah, you guys keep it up i think that's all you know it and 
certainly, you know, that health benefit and the efficiency benefit to the driver is important, but you know, the other thing, and the trucking industry can use all the good PR it can get, we're also talking about making the road safer for the public. You know, using real data instead of hard locked in numbers to tell a driver when he can drive and not drive. And look, I I don't see anybody making any major changes to hours of service anytime soon, but we've had these goofy rules around for 80 years and nobody's ever even tried to come up with a better way. So I I think that um, we've got a lot of pieces here. We have a lot of connections. We've got uh, the technology. We've got the knowledge. You know, if anybody could change this, um, maybe it's us. So I'm pretty excited about this. And then um, I'm sure John's just uh, chomping at the bit back there because he's got all kinds of crazy <laughs> ideas too. So, well, first, can, can you can you hear me now? I, I can. You sound much better. Okay, I got rid of my my headset I had on, and I'm just talking to my phone now. I actually had some new earbuds that actually sound fantastic for listening to music, but I guess they're not so good for talking on the phone. Um, yeah. So the the whole thing. And, and the opposite too, guys. I mean, it's like, like Joel said, his body battery was low, but what if some of these drivers, and I, I hate to see someone cause more stress in their life, but maybe they ought to not be on the road, but you know, what if you're having some troubles at home and something else, you didn't get rest on your reset and your body battery shit when you start. I mean, that's, you know, well, I, that guy I, off the road, you know, it's, uh, I, I had that scenario happen. My, you know, my mom's got yeah. some memory issues. I was dealing with her the day before I went out. I started with a very low body battery. So just for myself, I knew that it was low. So I kind of limited the speed myself. I didn't want to be pushed in this thing 72, 73 mile an hour down the highway, knowing that I'm starting with this low body battery and understanding that maybe I'm not as alert, uh, you know, I'm not maybe bringing my A game possibly because I'm starting and low. So uh, that is just absolutely a game changer to me. You, you absolutely know before you get behind the wheel, um, uh, what you should be aware of and what you should be looking for. And, and a lot of times, you know, a, a guy may jump behind the wheel, not understanding how that stress has impacted him because it, if you can't measure it, you, you really can't judge what's going on. Now you can measure everything. You start to understand what kind of foods I eat, how it impacts my sleep, the stress the day before. Maybe I was in bad weather all day long. How did that impact my sleep? Now what's my body battery look like? I mean, this is huge. It, it really is for a driver. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. But hey, well, well, I'll, you know, so I'll, I'll throw my little idea out here now like to have another conversation with Eric about it at some point, but, uh, with the information available and with your, not just the watches, but your, your, uh, you know, your, your nav equipment and the, the ELD, and that's pulling information from the 1939 from the truck. So we've got all the, the can network info and we can pull fuel mileage off of that. And particularly our guys keep that stuff calibrated well enough that it's accurate. Um, I would love to do an app or some sort of leaderboard, much like Strava, where we do it based upon fuel mileage and you define the define lanes and we could gamify getting better fuel mileage and have a leaderboard much like Kevin does on, on his fuel gauges thing, but to another level. And we could add stress and biometrics into that as well, just like you do on Strava with your heart rate and so forth. Um, it, it could be a really cool little app and a little way to incentivize people to just within themselves to motivate themselves to do better fuel mileage and so forth and have better numbers, you know, on their stress as well. 
Um, that's just some idea I've been kicking around for a while. And it, it could work, you know, we could, could have a netted portion where you do the pen and paper in case the info from the, the truck is not completely uh, uh, accurate, where you could, you know, enter your, your fuel receipts and your mileage and so forth, shall we say, and, and get the accuracy there. But it's just something I've been wanting to do for quite a while, and, and, and you seem to have all the equipment to do it. And you know the integrations, because my, my, my Garmin watch, you know, every time I do a hike or a bike or a run or whatever, it's, it's, it's straight on my Strava. And I live for that shit. <laughs> and and I, I don't know why anyone else wouldn't. You know, I, again, if it's, you know, if you're, if you're a driver out there making money, you could look at that thing and say, Hey man, I've got that fuel mileage in that lane. You know, we could, we could, you know, define lanes or have them define lanes and, and you could do that and have a leaderboard for each lane and so forth. That's just something I've been really wanting to do. Yeah. So you get, uh, you get, rated on fuel economy you get bonus points for keeping your stress levels low while getting good fuel economy absolutely yeah yeah you can yeah. work it all together yeah, yeah. Hey, eric not to put you on the spot or anything but what do you think man i i, I think these are great great fun ideas i mean that you guys live this life day in and day out and that's 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 the information that that's super valuable to me is to know you know what, what gets you going? What would, what would be exciting? What would be, you know, I looked at, you know, gamification kind of features in the past because just mobile apps just do that so often, you know, navigation apps do that. You know, there's just, there's just aspects of that that are exciting to people. Um, obviously we, Garmin is successful in it in, in the Garmin connect world with, you know, uh, with runners and with cyclists and those kinds of things. We, we, we've done that in the past. So I've, I've looked at bringing it, um, to the professional driving market, it's just a matter of, you know, what's the right thing? What's the right features? What's the things that you could uh, add leaderboards to or add gamification to that would um, be motivating enough? And it does sound like, you know, things like uh, fuel economy and and low stress levels and those kinds of things could all be um, uh, data metrics that you, could, that you could do that with. And then turning it into a leaderboard, um, and doing it based off of shipping lane or location or, or all those kinds of things. That's all, that's all sounds really cool to me. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's not something that we, we obviously have all the pieces of the puzzle necessary to do that. So, and, and Very John, um, your idea of, you know, we might need to use pen and paper just to, you know, verify the accuracy. Um, we ha- the fuel gauges app is ours. We could just, you know, with APIs, right. just tie fuel gauges right into it. And right, let- well, well, this could be a, this could be an evolution of fuel gauges. Yeah, Kevin. I mean, it could exactly. be this could be an evolution of that. Yeah, yep. right, right. So fuel so gauges sure. could pull the data from the GPS and the the truck ECM, and then match it and even correct it. In you know, in, in kind of right. real time when you put in that fuel receipt um, and that would all be automated. I mean, and again, like Garmin has all right. those pieces on that side. We've got all the pieces between you and Joel and, you know, our software. We've got all the pieces to make this work really well. Hey, guys, I've got a, a brand new purple test truck that would just be a, a great demonstration platform for all this. Hey, Eric, I think he's going to be hitting you up for a Garmin wrap on that thing soon. That's going to be one of them, yeah. 
a Joel test truck is going to look like a NASCAR uh, car with a, with a little box. <laughs> well, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I am trying to avoid the the NASCAR look, but I mean, it, it's piling up. You know, I got Shane on BASF, and I got all the big boys on there. Why not? <laughs> Let's add another one. What the hell? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, hey, guys, I am uh, I'm kind of torn here. The the four of us could probably go on all day because all of us are clearly data nerds and we've all got uh, ideas, but uh, we've got a bunch of calls too. So let's grab some here while we can. Let's go to Texas. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you guys doing? Good. What can we help you with today? I I got a, I had the same problem you did about plugging my phone in with the headset and switching the audio from your thing. It was funny because I was just had an issue when I started it this morning. Then you were talking about it, but uh, usually I just unplug my iPhone and plug it back into my port, and it, it switches back to my stereo. Yeah, that was I kept having to come some, up uh, with these workarounds, and like I said, that's the last thing I want to be doing while I'm driving is constantly reaching over and trying to fix things. And um, so the you know. One of the things with Bluetooth and you've got multiple devices, you do have to go through all the different menus and settings and try different things. And sometimes you can get it to work. I just couldn't this time. And I'm I'm pretty good at that. I know where all the settings are. I know how to troubleshoot and try this configuration and none of them worked. Every configuration had some sort of a problem. And then even though the Garmin headset is still using Bluetooth. Uh, the settings allowed me to get everything to work right. I just don't have that problem anymore. Yeah. And I was wondering, so I got the OTR 800 that I bought, and I like it. It works good. Um, I was trying to find out if there was a setting on there or if it could be integrated into it to where when it calculates the route and it tells you, you know, it's going to take you 10 hours to go, 600 miles, whatever, is that is that calculated off the speed limits set along the route? Yes, it is. Absolutely. It's taking into account uh, everything at that point. So you'll have, it's taking into account speed limits and it's taking into account your vehicle profile that you're, that you have plugged into the device as well. So it's uh, the routes being calculated based off of the size and weight of the truck as well as the speed I was wondering if, because I, I live in Texas and I don't like to drive 75, I do like 60, 65 in my truck. Is there a way, There's I haven't found a way that if I could go in there and change like the speed limit that I want to drive for my route so it calculates that number better? Was that something that could be possible? I do feel like there's a place where you can set a max speed. Um, there, I think there is a setting in I mean, it. If I remember right, because I know I've altered mine because I drive so slow and it's a lot closer now. I don't think it's an exact speed or a max speed. I think it's it's like an adjustment slower or faster kind of thing. I don't remember, and I think it may have even changed. But I do know there is a way. Now, uh, Eric, since we're talking about this, and you know, I'd like to see this too, because I, for the most part, when I drive, I drive the same speed all the time, no matter what the speed limit is. So when I leave the West Coast right. and I've got speed limits out here of 80 miles an hour, I only go 60. 
But when I get to the yeah, East Coast and the speed limit's 60, zero, I'm still going to be going 60. So it would really yeah. be nice if I could put in a specific speed to calculate my what? route. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I will, I will double check on that feature. Um, that's actually what I'm, I'm not sure if it's in there or not. For some reason, I feel like it is, but uh, I'll double check on it. And if it's not, uh, it will definitely get put in as a, as, a, as a future improvement. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is an adjustment feature, and I think I've actually gotten mine pretty close using it. But um, now that we're talking about it, just the ability to say, look, on this trip, just calculate the trip at 60 miles an hour. Because uh, I know that's what I'm going to drive. It would be really nice. So uh, let's grab another call because they just keep coming. We're going to go to Nebraska this time. Lyle, welcome to the program. Well, howdy. How are you all doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, I bought my first Garmin back in 2009. It was a the T model. It still works, but I've upgraded <laughs> now twice. Now I have the 700. Uh, one of the things I've often wondered about, and you guys made me start thinking about this, uh, I've got a question I started with originally, which I'll ask, and then I've got a question about uh, the Garmin and especially the battery part. Anyway, one of the things I've always wanted and tried to do is to save a trip that I run, especially if I run it consistent. However, what I learned is that when I save a trip, technically it doesn't save the trip. It saves the origination, the destination point. And so when I pull up that trip the next time, it just recalculates a route that day for going on that trip. What I'd like it to do, though, is actually save the route that I traveled because there's little idiosyncrasies to different routes, et cetera. And I'd love if there was a way to save the actual trip that I drove and not just destination and origination points. Yeah, I get what you're saying there for sure. I think, uh, you know, the biggest reason that we that we do recalculate the route every time is um, there's a couple things. Obviously, maps change over time. So, you know, if, if, the, if for some reason construction changed the route slightly or whatever, we would want it to be based off of the latest and greatest. Um, and then second, we also base the routing off of your vehicle profile. And we're always very nervous to have a saved route that could have been for a different Right. So maybe you were in a different rig at that right, ran that route and it was a different size and it had a different height or a different weight. And, and so we're nervous to send you on the same path again um, if, if it hasn't recalculated based off of your current vehicle profile. And so um, that's the reasons as to why we do it. Now, it doesn't doesn't mean that we couldn't do what you're asking, um, but we don't today. Um, and so uh, just letting you know, these are reasoning um, and. Um, but what you're asking for is not something that is impossible. I mean, we do we do track recording on a lot of our products. I mean, Garmin products uh, have done track recording for, for forever. Uh, so that's not right. This not is something. blue line track that you can do. So yeah, do that. Save it. Yeah. Uh, so to address the question from the previous caller just now about the speed limit and getting it accurate, when I first bought this 700 about a month and a half ago. When I went in and set my profiles up, it asked the question, what speed do you want to set for your average driving speed? And I, so I put in there 65, 
Yeah. Um, and so there's a place to do that. Lyle, you are correct about that. Sarah and Vic just sent me that as well. This is the beauty of having the tribe out there. I have a new navigator. I just was so busy playing with the headset, I haven't set up my new navigator yet. Um, but Sarah and Vic uh, said the same thing, that there is a place you put in a specific speed. That's awesome. Yes. So I have a question about the battery. One of my questions I haven't heard it addressed yet really is, I'm kind of a skeptical person based on what I've experienced in my life. And so when you tell me that this little device that I put on top of my wrist that has hair in between me and the skin and whatever, and you tell me it can tell me what my battery thing is, number one, what's that based off of? And how do we know how accurate that is? I can answer that. And then Eric, I'll let you jump in from the, the Garmin side of this. Um, and Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I'm right about this because I've tested a lot of wearables and I'm really into all the biometric measurements. Um, this is being calculated by something that's called HRV, heart rate variability. Uh, Eric, before I go into a big description, am I correct on that? Yes, body battery is based off of HRV. Okay, Absolutely. just wanted to make sure. Um, okay. So HRV, most people don't understand what this is and they confuse it with heart rate. Virtually every wearable on the market will tell you what your heart rate is. Your heart's beating at 72 beats a minute or it's beating at 48 beats a minute. Um, good data, but really doesn't tell us the whole picture, not even close. The measurement that we've found, and this is fairly new to be able to measure this on a wearable device, and there aren't many wearable devices that do this or do it well, and none of them show us the data the way Garmin does in the body battery and the instant stress level. That, for me, the way they show it was a game changer. Other devices, kind of high-end devices, might show HRV, but they give you a raw score, and it's really hard to interpret, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But here's what HRV is. It's heart rate variability. So if we were to say your heart is beating 60 beats a minute, we would assume, oh, it's beating once a second. And if it were actually beating once per second exactly, we'd be almost dead. That's not how our heart should work. Our heartbeat should be reacting and responding to all kinds of input. And what we're measuring with HRV is the variability of the time between beats, it's not one per second. And actually what we want is we want a big variability. The bigger the variability. So, so you've tied, what's that? So, so you've tied stress or my ability as a person to do work based on that variability? Correct. Because medically we know that it works. It's a, it's really accurate. It is one of the best indicators of our overall health, our ability to respond to and handle stress, and our physical strength and energy levels. This number is that accurate for these things. It's just we you had to go to some expensive lab and get hooked up to a ton of machines to get this number before. 
And now we have the ability to get this number from our watch. And the number is accurate. I've tested it against other devices. And so it's accurate. So if what we're looking for is we really want the one beat to be a half of a second. And then we want the next beat to be 1.23 seconds and then 0.72 seconds. The more variability in that number, the healthier and stronger we are. And when you, you can see when your body battery starts to drop and you can't get it back, your heart rate variability shrinks. It's starting to be very consistent and we don't want it to be. So that's kind of the quick explanation of what this is, but the number itself is really accurate to tell us a lot about what's going on with our body. Something, I something I can tell you. It, go ahead. Something Joel. I can tell you just from a, a, a seat of the pants perspective, and like you, I was kind of skeptical about this whole body battery thing. And the very first night I put this watch on, I had some issues at home with my mother. She's getting older. She had some memory issues that I was dealing with. My dog was up and down all night. When I woke up that morning and I was looking at the, the, the sleep and it shows you the restlessness. And I mean, it was all marked up and it showed me my body battery was in the tank and I was just getting ready to leave. And it was amazing to me how just dead on this thing was. It knew I had a shitty night and it showed me exactly why. And it told me I was going to be tired and I was yawning by noon. I mean, it was just spot on. I thought that is awesome. Okay. So, I don't have one, but it would be helpful for me to know when you tell me what does it tell you on that to tell you, I mean, what did you see on there that told you that on the, on the app or on the watch or whatever? Well, it, it shows you what you it it scores you. So you have like a body battery score and mine was extremely low starting out in the morning. So, and I think it even gave a little description that said you may be tired or something like that. It gives you this little description of what was going on. And I was like, my God, that is just spot on. Cause I felt like crap when I woke up. And so then I went back and I looked at the sleep and it actually broke down how many hours of deep sleep, how many hours of light sleep, how many hours of REM sleep. And mine was just all screwed up that night. Then it also laid out a sleep timeline and it had these little white marks that showed every time I was restless and my dog was up and down all night, all night. And he was want me to pick him up and it picked up every one of those. I mean, it was just crazy. And so it showed me that I slept like crap and I felt like crap the next day. And it basically said, you know, you're going to struggle. And I did. Well, it was I'm awesome. I'm scared if, if the accuracy of this thing would have said on there on your sheet is that it was your mother. That's what caused all this. The one thing I wanted to say uh, to Kevin is uh, this to me was a huge contrast from when you were on XM radio to today and now, believe it or not, in your voice, I could hear the difference from XM, in other words, your stress level, to now when it went way down. I don't know what you thought about that, but that was just my observation from listening. I'm, I'm sure he has data on that. I, I do, and you are absolutely <laughs> correct. And, and here's the here's the weird thing. I have to admit this. I was telling, you know, I was saying, oh, these people don't even know when they're under stress. 
I didn't either. I, if somebody would have asked me, are you stressed because of this deal with, with SiriusXM? I would have said, hell no, I love doing this. This is what I do every day. But I think I, 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 the numbers got better. I feel better. I love this format. I'm, I'm happier. I'm, I'm clearly much less stressed. And I started thinking about why. I mean, Sirius didn't require hardly anything of me. They let me do anything I wanted. Um, I pretty much had free reign to say almost anything I wanted. I found out one thing I, they didn't want me to say, obviously. Um, but for some reason, you know what I think it is? I just think I felt responsible to them to just make sure everything was right. And I, I, I think I just felt some weird responsibility, even though they didn't seem to care what I did. Um, I, I just don't have that now. This is our thing. We can do whatever the hell we want. Um, if I want to say whatever, I can say whatever. Uh, we don't have to go to breaks. I don't have to watch the clock. I don't have to be perfect the way, you know, they want radio to be really tight and perfect. And that's just not me. You know, let, let's wing it like today. Yeah. I mean, we didn't plan to bring John and Joel in with Eric, and I didn't know Eric was going to be able to stay this long. But I, today has been one of my favorite shows in a long time, and obviously the listeners too, because our phone lines are still slammed with questions. Um, so you're right, I, and you could hear it, I could feel it, and we can measure it. I could show you the data. My numbers have gotten better. So you had a, a, the battery thing before and after. Yeah. And not only the body battery. So let me, I'll give you a quick explanation of these two numbers. Body battery ranges from zero to a hundred. When you're at a hundred, you feel like Superman. When you're at zero, you feel like a slug. It, it's awful. I mean, you can absolutely <laughs> tell the difference. There's another factor that we can measure. I know a lot of people who can start the day at a hundred because they sleep really well, but they don't seem to handle stress very well. And their 100 becomes 10 within about five or six hours. I know other people, I'm one of them. I have to work my ass off to get my body battery up to 100 <laughs> because my sleep is still so poor, no matter how hard I work on it. But when I get to 100, I can finish the day at 80 sometimes. I can have a pretty stressful active day and not lose my body battery. It's just harder for me to build it. But once I have it, I, it tends to hold better. The other number, though, that I use all day long is instant stress. And again, it's a scale zero to 100. When you're at zero... That's on there as well? Yeah. That I, um, let me check mine right now. Um, I am at 28, which is actually pretty low considering, you know, I'm excited and I'm moving around and... Um, being at 28 is actually pretty darn good. Um, this is how I developed the whole stress protocol. You know, I figured out that 10 minutes of the X3 workout sends your stress level to 100 in a good way. That's how we build the stress muscle so that when we start off the day, we're not going to deplete our body battery so fast. So that I look at that instant so stress a, number. That's also the number we're going to use to let drivers know how their speed and other driving habits are affecting their stress instantly. So there's a high correlation between your instant stress level and your battery battery. Body battery. Yep, absolutely. The, 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 the higher your stress is, the faster you will deplete your body battery. 
Mm. Wow, amazing. Uh, the last thing I want to say, and I'll get off here, was that um, when he said that about the seeing the video of where you're going, I forever use Google Maps to see exactly where I'm going and how to get there and where the dock's at. And to add that in there, just, you know, I've, I've been upset with Google in, in some of the things they've done, but I can't get away from the fact that their product of maps is excellent to use in my trucking business. So Excellent. That's a, that's a game changer. To hey, that. You know, it, it really is. It's several of these technologies we're talking about right now, that, that word keeps coming up. Joel, that's what you said about, you know, the, the watch and, you know, this satellite view of our final, you know, mile. These are, these are game changers. These are awesome technologies. Let's uh, want to knock out some calls here while we've got Eric and uh, we can get to him. We're going to go to South Carolina. Kathy, welcome to the program. Yes, hello. I wanted to ask about, I got the Garmin diesel watch when it first came out, when Kevin put it on his website. And I was having issues where I get up before midnight, so it's not recording my sleep all the time. So I contacted the customer support and then a couple emails back and forth, and I've never heard anything back. But it seemed like it worked for like two days when they did an update and then it quit working again. So when I, every time I get up before midnight, it records that I didn't sleep at all. Um, Eric, do you, yeah. I, I know that um, I noticed on my watch the other day, something new. Um, I was reading on the couch and obviously fell asleep. And I think I slept quite a bit because I woke up and I had a new sleep score. And that's the first time this has ever measured sleep for me during the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I will say, you know, if you live a, a lifestyle that, um, you know, I would say it's typical, you know, where you're sleeping, you know, not sleeping, you know, at night, at a schedule or where you maybe you don't sleep for eight hours in one chunk, maybe you sleep, you know, three hours here or two hours there. Those kind of people who, who do that definitely, it messes with our algorithms. We, we have a harder time um, getting the sleep scores um, measured as accurately um, as, as somebody who is uh, a little bit more consistent. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely some, some limitations there in the technology of being able to cover every single base. Um, so definitely keep playing around with it, trying to, to determine, um, where those limitations are. And if there's, if you do are having specific issues still, I mean, customer support should be able to specific answers as how this, how this works or, or why it's happening. Um, I don't know all the details of, of how uh, sleep metrics work. I wish I had more knowledge. Tell you exactly what's going on, going on in those cases. Okay. Cause yeah, cause I, I do have to get up early cause I work like 2 AM to, 2 p.m. every day and it it don't re- I always get it before midnight just habit I guess and I've been trying to do some different sleep things with different yogurts and stuff like that and I just it's like okay well it didn't even record anything so you know yeah, that I, has failed you might want to reach out to customer service because I think there has been an update like I said I have never and I've been wearing my watch for a long time I've never had it record 
uh, nap like that during the day. So something changed. And you said it sounded like yours did it once after an update, and it isn't now. I, I think I'd reach out to uh, customer service on that one. Let's go to Iowa. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, and the rest of you. Good to talk to you. Hey, um, my question was, well, I got a couple things, but on the Garmin watch, how hard is it to set up and figure all that out? Because I've got the OTR 800 and I don't have it all figured out yet. So I just wonder if, is there a way well, to figure those both out? I got a friend of mine on the OTR 800. He's telling me all this stuff that it does. And so, but I, you know, maybe I'm too lazy to do it. That I'll, could be part of the problem, but I feel like I'll, I'll jump Help in me here because I, I definitely have an answer for this. Um, there are so many powerful features on all of these devices, the watch, the navigator, the headset itself is fairly simple, but it, it still has a lot of options. Um, it does take time. I am really good at this kind of stuff because I do it a lot. I almost never use manuals. I, I almost always just grab something, start working with it. And the only time I'll go to a manual is if I run into a problem that I just can't figure out. And I, I did that when I first got the watch and it was a mistake because I missed out on a ton of stuff and I was frustrated with it. So I just said, look, I'm going to take a time, a day, whatever it takes. And I'm going to sit down with the manual and I'm going to take my time and I'm not going to be in a hurry. And I'm just going to read through each feature and how it works and then set stuff up the way I wanted it. I, I will tell you, uh, un unless you're, you know, really, really smart with this stuff. It, it really takes a little bit of time to sit down with the manual and go through each feature. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks on that. Now the second part of my question is, well, I can't remember your call screener's name, but I told her I was ticked off at you. Angie. And now I'm, now I'm real. Uh, now I'm really ticked off at you. Uh -oh. Okay. Uh -oh. <laughs> Cause, Cause the other day, the other day, you you had uh, David from um, Azure Standard yeah. on the phone. Yeah, and I was perf I'm perfectly ha I was perfectly happy flat betting, but when he started to describe how they deliver and stuff, that's what I've done for 20 years. And the last company that I worked for, well, 17 years, I worked for a home delivery. We sold ice cream and stuff, and there was a big duck, a swan on the truck. But, and then I worked for a company out of Seattle, which had the same basic uh, business model or, or uh, delivery system. People would order online and we'd meet at churches and pick up. So I, I didn't even finish your program because as soon as I got the number, I was calling James. And I did not want to change jobs before I retired, but now I'm going to be going to work for them in the next few weeks. Awesome. And now I'm really ticked. Yeah. I'm <laughs> pretty excited. Now I'm really ticked because I need a new GPS, a new headset, a new watch. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Hey, hey, hey Jeff, I have, I have a challenge for you. 
since you need all that stuff and we have it in the store, you should get a hold of Lisa, my wife, because she's like our master negotiator. I want to see if you can cut some sort of a deal with her. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, my, my 800's fine, but I mean, that final mile there, I, and I call it the first mile too, um, when you're getting to the shipper, I think those you're talking about stress. Those are my biggest stresses. If I'm in the, in the whole trip, I, if Absolutely. I've never been to the shipper or I've never been to the receiver, yep. you know, so just figuring out where, where do you go? And half the time the addresses, you know, they give you the address to the office, not to where you need to go. So that's pretty cool. So, okay. I'll have to reach out to Lisa. Maybe, well, actually I'm going to try and, I need to get the address to your warehouse because I'm I'm going to be I'm heading to Portland right now, so I'll be coming through there next week. Excellent, so. excellent. Good. Anyway. Well, okay. uh, well, All tell right. tell everybody over at uh, your new employer that I said hi. Okay, okay. Thanks. All right. Bye. Great talking to you. Uh, let's uh, let's grab another call. Let's go to Michigan. Chad, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I uh, got a fuel surcharge question, uh, much like everybody probably should have and has. Um, been tracking it quite a lot uh, recent months. Um, and it's been fine, but they stopped publishing it on the 13th. And if you go to EIA.gov, uh, which is where OIDA's link sends you to, um there is a link that says we are implementing new methodology to estimate weekly on highway diesel fuel prices. And you click on that and it doesn't really tell you much other than they're starting to do something. You click on an Excel file and it doesn't really tell you much. So we have no, I, I, I can't figure it out. I use Cheeseman and I use this one. Um, I can't figure out what fuel surcharge was supposed to be over this past week. We're moving forward. You know, today was the first day this came to my attention. I didn't know that it happened on the 13th. I didn't know it happened at all. But this morning when I was scrolling through and, you know, reading the news and all that, I, I saw a bunch of posts and people were saying they're, they haven't updated the national average fuel price. Here's the thing. I don't you know, when we talk about their methodology, I think they mean their methodology for figuring out what the average price is. The methodology for a fuel surcharge is pretty straightforward. It's a calculation. I, I can't imagine that we're going to change that. Um, so they must be talking about how they come to that weekly average price. There is a, um, uh, I think if you go to truckmiles.com, let me go check that out. Um, it used to be here. Truckmiles.com is a service of um, Promiles.com, one of our partners forever. Um, love that company. Their idea for fuel surcharge, and it didn't really take off. They've had this around for years now, was that we shouldn't even be using the Department of Energy's price because it's too broad. It, it's a, you big averages for big areas and zones, and their system actually allows you to set your fuel surcharge by the lane. So you put in, 
you know, on this trip, I'm going from uh, Cleveland to Austin, and it gives you what your fuel surcharge should be for that lane that day. Yeah, that might not be necessarily. I'm under contract, right? I'm leased onto a company, um, and they use the U.S. national average. And that's why it raised a flag to me. I've been able to stay ahead of it. And then the end of the week, maybe it might lose out two, three cents a gallon, you know, depending on how you're doing and where you're running. But it says in their methodology, it said it will be done in a survey. Like, how is this survey? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, uh, how do I get on this survey? Because I agree, it's very widespread. You know, yeah, so I get involved in the survey. And- yeah, I, I guess the problem right now that I see is you're right. If the DOE isn't updating their price, what are fleets doing? Are, are they just waiting and just using what their last number was? Yeah, but you can't. You know how fast, you know how fast of a hole you'll dig if prices oh, drop twenty I know. a gallon. No, oh, I get it. You're right. You're losing. This, they the, the and here we are. It's the government we're you know we have to deal with here, um, unless the fleets are willing to go use a service like Truck Miles, and that was the whole idea when Pro Miles developed this. They wanted the industry to start to adopt this, and if we used this, we wouldn't have to depend on the government to give us those prices. But you're kind of stuck because you're leased to a fleet and. Um, I, I, like I said, I just became aware of this today. First time I've seen it. So, uh, I'm going to start digging and see, you know, what's going on with this. All right, man. Sounds good. Um, yeah, keep posting, keep your website posted and, uh, hopefully we'll find out. All right. Thanks for the call. Hey, Eric, you still good? I am coming up probably, uh, I'll probably have to break here at noon. Okay. All right, got it. Um, let's just do this then. I have a couple calls. Um, ones, uh, they're both actually suggestions. So, you know, we'll take those. We'll pass them along to you. Um, so I'll, I'll let you kind of wrap up here now so you've got some time to get in some final thoughts. First off, I want to uh, thank you for joining us today. And, and the products are awesome. And I mean, what a great show. Lots of ideas, lots of feedback. So um, thanks for taking the time today and spending time with us and answering questions and I'll let you kind of wrap up your final thoughts here. Yeah. I just want to say thanks to, to you and to the tribe, everybody calling in. It's been, it's been very informative for me. I love, love hearing directly from the customers and hearing questions and hearing the things that uh, you guys run into on a day-to-day basis. And I just appreciate the opportunity to get to talk about the new diesel headset. Uh, 100 and 200 and the whole brand new OTR series, the X10 series with satellite imagery and all that. I think uh, uh, I've gotten a lot of great feedback on both products um, just today. It sounds like uh, they are definitely hitting the mark um, and are, uh, are, are have compelling features that are uh, making people excited. So that's, that's great. Sorry about the problems of having to buy so many awesome devices, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's kind of what we. That's right. Uh, so, um, again, thanks. I will be reaching out to you and see if we can set up a time for the, uh, four of us together to get together and talk about some, uh, pretty big project ideas. 
Yep, that sounds great. Really appreciate it. Excellent. All right. Take care. Talk to you soon. Let's, uh, uh, John and Joel, you guys good to take a couple calls? Absolutely. I've got a a few minutes. I've got a meeting. I think my guy's not here yet. I'm actually in, uh, I'm I'm on the West Coast right now, Kevin. So I'm uh, at the shop in Reno, Nevada, where the Ferraris that I do engineering uh, live. So enjoying some mountains this weekend. You could head straight north through the woods there, and you're not that far from me. I know. Well, I'm going to be spending a lot of time here. They really like me, and it uh, looks like this Ferrari gig is going to work out quite well. So, yeah. yeah awesome. So I'll, uh, I'll be out. I'll be out for a visit. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Good, good. Yeah. All right. When you need to drop off, just let us know. We'll uh, – I. The three of us, I'm sure, have all kinds of things we could talk about. We still have calls coming in, so we're going to get to them. Uh, Dan in Michigan, welcome. Hi, Kevin. Uh, hi, John and Joel. Um, my, uh, I got questions about the, the different Garmin products. Uh, let's start with the Garmin GPS. I have the OTR 800. Um, I'm wondering if there's a way to program in a specific route for, like, oversize. You know, you get a permit. You have to go on different routes. You have to go on different detours and everything. Is there a way to program that into the OTR 800? Well, I know of a couple ways that are kind of hacks. I'm, I'm not sure. And since I don't do a lot of that, trying to get really that specific on, you know, permitted routes and things, maybe somebody listening will send me a text or jump in and join us. It, one of the ways, and it's a, I think their new trip planner is probably going to be the tool you're going to use for this. And I think that trip planner feature that I haven't played around with yet because I haven't set up my new one uh, may be the real key to this. But what I used to have to do is, is you kind of any GPS mapping kind of program, whether it's Google Maps or Apple Maps or a GPS, you, you can kind of force it into that route by picking multiple stops. So if I say I want it to go from uh, Portland to Pittsburgh, it's going to pick the route. But if I need to get more specific, then I might go Portland to Boise and Boise to Denver and Denver to Indianapolis and then Indianapolis to Pittsburgh. And by doing that, I can kind of force the route I want. But I think this trip planner feature is going to be the tool that's going to help you for this. Uh, is that going to be able to be an update for the OTR 800 or is that only going to be for the new one? Oh, I don't. we didn't ask Eric that. We did ask him about the satellite imagery that is not available on an update I'm not sure about the trip planner. We, I, I would have to reach out to him and ask him about that. Okay. Okay, next question is about uh, the Garmin watch. I have the Instinct Diesel 2. Um, for the most part, I, I like it, but I've already contacted customer service. It seems like the heart rate is accurate, the body battery, the stress and everything. The intensity minutes for me is way out of whack. Like so far this week, I'm looking at the screen right now. It says I have 1,013 intensity minutes and I don't work out that much. What, um, my total what? heart rate for, for today, I have 27 intensity minutes and my heart rate, my resting was 68 and my high was 121. So 
I this this reading isn't one that I've played around with much because it's not really all that interesting to me. But I have to believe that they're looking just at heart rate for this one. I don't think they're looking at heart rate variability. So what did what did customer service tell you when you asked them about it? I, I'm assuming that it's just seeing that your heart rate is elevated and saying when you're at this heart rate, they consider that high intensity. Yeah, there's, they were saying that it's supposed to be where I believe you're above 120 for at least 10 minutes. Um, and they, they've checked, you know, that, okay, I was not over 120. They've had like a dozen people or so, they said, okay. having the exact same problem, and they haven't come up with a fix yet or, got it. you know, okay. a, a, so, an explanation of why. Yeah, so so there's the answer. It, it's a bug in the software, and they haven't figured it out yet. I promise they will. I mean, and we deal with this all the time. That's why we just went through all that beta testing on our app. No matter how much beta testing you do, the minute your app gets into the wild, within an hour, you're going to find a new mistake, a new problem, a new bug that all of your beta testing never found. I, it just happens just about every time. Well, I'm, I'm hoping they fix it because, like, I have not burned, uh, you know, 2,986 calories today. Because <laughs> that, that, it, it really throws off the calorie count then also, you know, on, yeah, let on me, those things because it, of the intensity minutes. Now, I get it. I'm sure they're going to fix it. They always do. Uh, Throw away the idea of calories anyway, Um, because I'll tell you, it it will never be. That's a reading that I I don't I'm not interested in. It's not going to be accurate. Doesn't really tell me much anyway. Um, It's one of those big general average kind of numbers that it just really doesn't tell us much. But the intensity minutes, I, I'm, I'm sure they're going to figure out what this bug is and get it fixed. Because this is a pretty straightforward calculation. Like you said, 10 minutes above this heart rate, that's what they consider, you know, the start of intensity. I, I have a feeling they're going to find this bug pretty quick. Okay. Last question. Um, I went through tons of Bluetooth headsets. You guys are talking about this one. I didn't hear all of the the show on on the new Garmin headset. Can anybody tell me how is the noise canceling? Like I, I've used Blue Tire, I've used Blue Parrot, I've used all kinds of different ones. I'm using a Blue Parrot right now. I'm always looking for a better one. How is the noise canceling, and how is the volume on the new do one, you, Garmin? Do you which headset. blue which Blue Parrot do you have? Uh, I have the fifty. Okay, so you, you've got pretty new Blue Parrot technology. Do you need more noise canceling than what that has? No, but I'm, I'm having a problem with uh, all the Bluetooth different things. Okay, I've got, and also the Wi-Fi that I have in my truck. I've got my Garmin yeah, hooked up. So I have well, let, my Rampant Alley hooked up. Yeah, I have that, 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 hooked up. Stop. Okay, that's what I wanted to clarify, because you asked me about the noise-canceling feature. The Bluetooth, in my experience, the Bluetooth, this headset solved my Bluetooth problem. I couldn't get all of my stuff configured correctly, no matter how hard I tried, and this headset solved that. Whether it will for you or not, can't guarantee it, but it gave me more options. But to go back to the noise-canceling specifically... 
the noise canceling, and I have the same, I've got a Blue Parrot re, uh, new technology, one of their latest, and I'm comparing them head to head. The noise canceling is similar. The one thing I'm noticing, because I'm actually looking for an option for our remote hosts, and it, it may well be a Bluetooth headset. It, it, I'm not convinced it's going to be the Garmin yet. We still have a lot of testing to do. The noise canceling seems to be almost identical, but in when I listen to a Blue Parrot, it feels sounds really flat to me, and I I, I don't. Is that how I found? Um, yours is okay. It's a little cleaner than most. Um, I think so far what I've done, the Garmin has about the same noise canceling capability, not more, about the same. It's a little cleaner audio. It's not quite so compressed. Um, so they're, they're very similar as far as that part of it goes. Uh, I just did a garden video the other day on, on Healthy Tribe Live. I just walked around the garden with my phone and, you know, kind of showed everybody the garden and what I was doing. And I'm in the gorge here. You know, 40-mile-an-hour winds are just a normal day for us. The wind was horrendous. And you could tell I was in really, really heavy wind. But with any other headset I was trying to use, I would have to turn my back and almost huddle against the wind. And with the Garmin, and the the Blue Parrot would be just as good at this, um, I could walk around and do whatever I want. I could turn my head any way I wanted. You would occasionally pick up some fairly strong wind noise, but it never drowned out my voice. The, the audio was always clear enough that even though you could hear the wind in the back, it was so strong, you could still hear my voice just fine. All right, that sounds good. I'll probably check that one out. All right, thanks for the call. Man, they just keep coming. Let's go to uh, Alabama. Chip, welcome to the program. <laughs> Jeez, here, here I am. I'm always telling people, hey, call me, call me. And I'm like, come on already. It's Friday, guys. I want to quit sometime here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but y'all got to talking about uh, hours of service, and I just had a suggestion. You know, they've got in there, a lot of people don't even know it, like the two hours of adverse weather where, you you know, you've got had to stop for a tornado or, you know, the interstate was completely shut down. You could drive two hours past your 11 hours, and a lot of people don't even know about that, but... My suggestion is, because there's no flexibility in here, if they could take those two hours and give that to the driver and say you could use one of these hours at a time, you, you couldn't use more than two of them in a, you know, in a reset in seven days. But, you know, when you had something that was hot, had to be there, you know, or how many times have uh, – you know, you've been 30 minutes from home and, and run out of time. If they could take yeah. that two hours they got built in and, and give the driver a little bit of discretion to be able to use, say, one of those hours, I, you know. I, I agree. Here's the other thing that kind of makes me crazy about this hours of service thing. You know, we, we claim that, well, this is safety, lives are involved, and they are. There's, there's no doubt. I get that. But if it's that important... 
Why do we have all these exemptions all the time? Why do we waive hours of service for COVID or we waive hours of service for this or, oh, well, the propane haulers need a little more time and we got, well, if we can do all these waivers, why, why do we have all these strict rules all the time? Yeah. Give the driver a little flexibility. I mean, we know whether we're safe to drive, you know, and, and whether you're doing a plant shutdown, and if you're not there, you got the whole crew standing around waiting. You know, if they go, go ahead. If they could just open that up and give us a little flexibility, you know, give us the two hours to use in your seventy, and you can only use one at a time. I, I mean, that's very little, but I, I it think would it's be a good a idea. Deal, you know? Yeah, it, I, it, you know, it'd be I a like that. On a plant shutdown or something. Yeah. I, well, I'd just like to get that out there so more people will think about that and maybe suggest it, you know. Yeah, I I, I like that. Joel, were you going to say something? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And this is exactly where I was going with, with the whole Garmin watch thing. So he just made the statement, we know when we're okay to drive. Wouldn't it be great if we could say, yeah, I know I'm okay to drive, and this kind of proves that I'm okay to drive? Yeah. Um, you know, my stress level's low. My sleep was good. Why make it only usable once in a while? If your numbers are good, you should be able to run out that extra two hours every time your stress levels are low and your sleep is good. Use it whenever you want. That's even And not better. be limited. See, this is what, yeah, what I hate about, you know, these, these um, static solutions to dynamic situations, just what this guy's talking about here. You know, if you feel good, and we know when we feel good, at least we think we know when we feel good, now we've got data that backs that up. You know, it should just, boom, Bluetooth that information right into your electronic log. Says, hey, your numbers are good. You got an extra two hours. Do what you want with it. You're in good shape. So here's the, Just do it. Again, I, I'm in total agreement with this, and I freaking love the idea. But, you know, Kevin, you're, you're a personal freedoms type person, and this is really some pretty big, big brother shit if you think about it, though. If you're sharing that info, even if you're doing it in order to be able to drive a little longer, the office is going to bite you in the ass at some point. I mean, your, your truck's just going to shut down because it's your numbers are bad. If we go down this path, which again, personally, I think that's okay. That doesn't bother me, uh, but there are people out there in the world. I mean, well, uh, yeah, sir, John, you have, in, in my belief, in my belief system, I'm okay with it because I, I, I to me, I'm like, give up. I mean, the big brother is there and watching my phone's listening to me all the time and so forth. And I, I, I've resigned to the fact that that's just the world that we live in now. Uh, but there are people out there, especially in our community, who probably aren't going to like that, you know? So it's, no, uh, it's something to think about. Yeah, I, I agree. But, you know, this is kind of where we have our baseline rules that are, you know, kind of static like they are right now. And that's just the baseline. That's what you operate off of. And then just have it as a voluntary thing. If you choose to do this, this is what the potential kind of reward is for, for using the technology. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. You got to take the bad with that as well, right? Yeah, so, John. You're, I, you know what? I, I'm all for it. Me too. <laughs> yeah, John, you're you're right. My first reaction is, uh, yeah, I I really don't want somebody looking over my shoulder like that. And I, but but here's the thing: the rules are already there that restrict us. We have all the downsides. Right. If we can use this technology, and again, I'm I'm with Joel. Nothing mandatory. Totally voluntary. If you want to be in this program, then yes, you have to give up some of this data. If there's enough of an upside with that, I'm okay. 
right now we have no upside. We just have the static system that punishes you, makes you drive when you're tired. You can't drive when you feel like you should drive. So something that would change that, that I could control. I don't have to do it. It's not mandatory. Um, and, And you're right. I deal with this issue all the time. I don't want the government involved and yet there are times when there are some advantages to this. Um, and this is our world and it's not going away. It's not changing. So let's try to structure it so that we at least get some benefits from it. You know, I, I, I hate this idea of driver cameras, you know, driver facing cameras and all that intrusion in the cab. Uh, but if, if we make these programs voluntary and we set them up in a way that we can control it and get some benefit from it, which it, that's, that's up to us to do. And that's why I'm glad we're having these conversations. If we just let the government do all this, we know we're going to get crap. If we get involved and right. say, look, here's a better way and we can prove it to you, then I, I think we can have some control over this. Yeah, I, yep, I sure. 100% agree. I agree. I can see the kickback, though. I mean, I can see the, you know, oh, yeah. say, hey, not, don't, don't need that. And, and likewise, I mean, think, okay, it's great for our community. I mean, we're small businessmen out there making a buck and want to be healthy and want to be safe and, and so forth. And we could use all these biometrics and all the other data to make our businesses more profitable. Even. But I could also see a fleet incentivizing drivers. Hey, look, if you sign up for this program, allow us to see your biometrics. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You're going to get paid more to do this. Think about this from a dispatch point of view. So we all know the guy that can smooth the dispatcher, he gets all the cream. He always does. It's just, you know, you, there's always that guy that is very charming. He's got the personality and he can schmooze a dispatcher and he always gets the load. So imagine if the dispatcher comes in in the morning, they bring up a list and here's a bunch of battery battery, battery uh, <laughs> settings. They've got the this guy's at, yeah. yeah, this guy's at 15, but he's schmoozing the hell out of the dispatcher. You know, at that point, you know better. I better not give this guy this load. There's somebody else that I better drop it on. And so this thing just makes so much sense. Now I agree. It would have to be voluntary. No doubt about it. It it, it could not be mandated. It would have to be a voluntary thing, but, uh, wow. Just, uh, what this could do for safety and just, just really, I think the overall health of the driver, I think it would just be safety efficiency, you know, profit it's all, all all around it's better to integrate it all for sure yeah, but that's yeah. it guys i gotta bounce my uh, my meeting here and uh, has been waiting for me for a few minutes and i'm gonna have to jump into that so i'll uh, i'll catch up with you next week all right great stuff great talking to you i'll get uh, right. i'll get something set right. up with uh, and i'll be in touch kevin like i said i'm gonna be out west a lot perfect so and uh, yeah let's go let's have a meeting with eric okay yep we'll do all right let's um, all right thanks let's Bye. uh let's grab a couple calls and i i Trying to clear the board here. Let's go to uh, Alabama. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. Um, the Garmin watch. I I haven't worn a watch for forty one years, and <laughs> but the um this body battery. That's kind of hard to say if you don't think about it. Body, it, battery, battery. Everybody battery. says it wrong. It happens all the time. You get all yeah. tongue-tied. Battery, battery. I, I, I know. BB reading. There we go. Yeah. 
Um, so most of these new car manufacturers, they don't like you wearing jewelry and watches and exposed belt buckles and all that. And some of them, they they keep a close eye on it. So, but I'm probably going to take it off when I'm loading anyway. So if I take it off for years of day and then I put it back on, it's going to think it's a new day or is it going to screw up the readings or what? You know, the longer you keep it on, especially at night, being able to wear it at night is pretty important. It picks up a lot of data throughout the night. Um, if you take it off for short periods of time during the day or even a couple hours, you will get some interruption in some of your readings. But And I've done it to test it a couple times. It usually picks up and gets pretty accurate again within about 30 minutes of putting it back on. Um, I'm like you. I haven't worn a watch since I was in the military. I, I, I've just really never worn a watch much of my life uh, until now. With this thing, it just never comes off. Like I said, I only have to charge it once a month. Um, I'll tell you this, though. As far as being able to, like, damage the paint or something on a car, you'd have a hard time doing any damage to a car wearing this watch. It's all, like, soft surfaces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, some of these car manufacturers, they're like the government. We've got our rules and we don't care what you no, think I'm, or what you got. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it's all very kind of rubberized and it's pretty rugged. And um, I, I doubt that you could do damage to a car with this thing. Yeah, because um, a friend of mine, he has a very high stress level. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just about tempted. Because I told, and he, he does have some weight issues as well, but I told him, I said, I don't care what diet you go on or what you do, you will not lose weight till you get your stress under control. But I'm, I'm just about tempted to buy him one and give it to him just so let him know what he's dealing with. Because yeah. He, yeah. he can have a short fuse and a, uh, you can say the wrong thing and, oh, he flies off the handle. So it's crazy. That, but, that, that's a pretty yeah. good sign of high stress, yeah. Yeah, well, just just little things like he gets delayed by traffic or maybe got to wait somewhere. He's, a, he's an unhappy camper at the click of a finger. So, yeah, yeah, well, uh, d- do him a favor. Get him one. Yeah. Okay, that's all I got. Have fun. All right, that's all we need. One more call and then... Uh, Joel and I'll wrap this up with some final thoughts. Let's go to Texas. BJ, welcome to the program. Let me try that again. There you go. Hello, sir. How are you? Yeah, here you are. Good. What's on your mind today? I had a question question for the Garmin guy, uh, and he's gone. But um, when I first started driving a truck two and a half, three years ago, I got a Garmin, and it had bad time of keeping my location it would take me off the freeway and put me on a frontage road and out in the middle of the desert and so I took it back and got a, a Rand McNally and of course then I had a lot of problems with it but long story short I've got the the Garmin um, 800 OTR and I'm still having issues I've sent them back I've done factory resets talked with the person uh troubleshooting with Garmin. Uh, I recently just bought a brand new one and uh, it's in the box. Um, at any rate, 
it will just lose satellite reception altogether. Okay. And I, 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 that I helps. It, I, I was wondering what was happening. So a couple things come to mind, location within the vehicle kind of thing, but I have to believe you're close enough to glass that you should, that shouldn't be bothering things. My next thought, and I would think they would have gone through this with you on the troubleshooting. Um, do you have some other device in there that's almost acting like a jammer on the signal kind of thing, interfering with it? Uh, that was the next thing I was going to say. I bought a USB splitter that plugged, I plugged it into my stereo, and it gave me three USBs. Well, I fought and fought and fought this GPS. I would take it off the mount and hold it in my waist. It would start working. I'd put it back on. It'd stop. I'd hold it by the window. And I finally figured it out. It was that splitter. And I threw that thing out the flipping window. Okay? And it started working. Now... It started doing the, Jeep, the satellite reception thing again, and I have torn this truck apart. I've unplugged my Garmin uh, dash cam and CV and all kinds of stuff, and I can't figure it out. Weird. Um, I Yeah. And for me, you know, being in the coach, and I said a lot of times when I do my trip planning, I'll just grab it off the dash where it's really close to glass, and then I take it back. I'm kind of in the living room, dining room. I, I have never had a GPS signal problem at all. Um, ooh, and you've already talked to customer service and tech support. I don't know. This is um, this one's a little confusing. If we don't have something interfering with it, I don't know why you would have that problem. Yeah, I've, I've, I've tried literally everything. I, I've take, I bought a new phone charging cord from the truck stop, and um, I had it up in front, and I took it and unplugged it, threw it in the back, I've unplugged everything that I can think of. Huh. And I, I'm just scratching my head now. I mean, uh, I, I love am the too. new Garmin. Yeah, but I, it, even today, as I was waiting for uh, to get on the call with you, it'll drop signal and I'll just pull it off and hold it over by the driver's window and it'll start working again and I'll click it back on the base again. Sometimes it'll go all day, two days or whatever, and all of a sudden, this morning and as soon as I started out on the trip, no satellite reception. Yeah, and we know no. it's not the unit itself because you've had the same thing with multiple units. So it, it's, oh, yeah. it's clearly three, something. Three and I have to believe that there is something that's causing this because I get tons right. of feedback from people and they tell us all the stuff that doesn't work and what's going wrong and we pass it along to Garmin and that's how they keep making things better. This is not a common complaint. I do not get complaints about GPS right. signal. Yeah, so I, I was hoping he would be able to kind of lead me in the direction hey, of something that could, I could look for. Is there, do you have, um, do you have other friends that drive truck? Could you give it to them and see if they have a problem in their truck with it? Uh, probably could. Yeah. It, it, it's, that's, that's how we troubleshoot. 
you know, does it do it here? Does this solve it? So here's a variable. This is acting odd. I've never seen a unit. The GPS signal has not been an issue at all with these things. So I'm thinking it, we know it's not the unit. The, we, you've tried cords. That didn't do it. Um, maybe it is something in this truck and if we could verify that, then we know we can start putting time into trying to figure out what it is and we're not chasing a dead end. I, that would be my next step if this were my problem and I were trying to troubleshoot it. I'd let somebody else in another truck use it for a week and see if they have any issues. I'm pretty convinced it's something in the truck. Like I said, I can hold it over to the window and it'll start working fine. Right. I put it back on the base. Right. So yeah, you don't have, have tinted windows in your truck, do you? No. Okay. Because no. sometimes window tinting will play with a GPS signal. Oh, I'll tell you something we just had yeah, a really, so. really difficult time with. Um, this little town I live in, um, we're right on the Columbia River. Washington's on the other side. There aren't that many places to cross over. You can cross over in Portland. The next place you can cross over is Cascade Locks, our town, which is, you know, a good 50 miles from where you could. And then the next one is Hood River, which is probably 30 miles. Um, our bridge going across the river is a toll bridge. And they finally just upgraded a year or two ago to, you know, automatic tolling and you get the little transponder. And I had to get them for, you know, all of our vehicles, the RVs, the company vehicles, all that stuff, because we go over that bridge a lot. So I put all the and they're they're just little stickers you put up in your window. That's all it is. Put them on all the vehicles. Everything works great. Go to go across with the Range Rover. It will not read that thing. So I'm moving it all over on the window. I'm playing around with things. I tell them I must have a bad sticker. They give me a new one. I put it on. This thing will not read no matter what. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So the troubleshooting again, what's different? You know, it works on every other vehicle. What's different? And then I remembered this vehicle has a heated windshield. And you can't see it. But there's obviously some sort of something sandwiched into the glass that heats up yeah. the glass. And right. that, that blocks that transponder signal. Wow. Yeah, I'm convinced that something electronic, something, but I don't know what. Like I said, I've, I've torn my truck apart. Is there something that I can get that'll read signals? I can you know, move around in my truck and see where this thing is coming from so i can get rid of it you know now we might be um that might be a power hour question for somebody like leroy that uh <laughs> you know understands a lot of that those technologies <laughs> better than i do um I, i'll bet there is something that can read those kind of signals i just don't know what it would be or where you would get it right yeah i figured if i put it out you know on the channel that Maybe someone would have an idea of some way I can track, you know, because I, I've gone over everything that I've bought recently, like that new charging port and all of that and, and removed it. And, and I still, I could go two days and it'll work fine. All of a sudden, like I said, this morning, it just well, wouldn't get a signal. Well, yeah. you know, I'm really kind of into this whole troubleshooting thing now and I'm reading the book and, you know, the, the, and the book says it, and we all know it. 
the, you can't really troubleshoot an intermittent problem. Those are the worst. They always <laughs> are. If you can't recreate it over and over and over consistently, it becomes 10 times more difficult to solve it. Yeah, there's a gremlin in this truck. I don't know what it is. Yeah, that's that can be frustrating. I'll uh, I'll reach out to Eric because I've got to reach out to him for a bunch of stuff, and I'll ask him if um, if they're aware of some way we might be able to work on this one. Great, I appreciate it. All right, thanks for the call, um, Joel. Uh, this was kind of a weird day. I mean, we had so much going on, but. Uh, um, we still have some time. We're Definitely not going to take any day. more calls. So, Angie, don't screen any more calls today. Um, anything else you want to talk about? The watch? Anything else you've had going on? You always have stuff going on. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk about the cruise control thing. Uh, oh, that's right. You guys were yeah. talking about it on the Power Hour. And um, there are some new technologies out there. Now, I'm in complete agreement with you guys on the older trucks. Um, what Bruce talks about, you know, having to watch a priameter, having to watch a, a boost gauge and whatnot. It's, you know, that's part of driving a older truck or even a truck with a VGT turbo. I think it's, it's very important to do. Um, Detroit has asymmetric turbocharging and Volvo obviously has turbo compounding and they are not as spiky when it comes to boost. Um, with the new Volvo iTorque, you know, we talk about having the multiple gears available at highway speed. And I think a lot of times people don't understand what that means and, and how it impacts the cruise control. So I posted some pictures. I ran up to Wisconsin the other day. I was on my way back with a load of powdered milk, bumping up against 80,000 pounds. Uh, you know, the truck gets out on the flat and it drops into overdrive at 850 RPM. Oh. And uh, it's running about two to three pounds of boost. And as long as I was relatively level, it would maybe climb to 13 to 14 pounds of boost. Um, without me having to do a damn thing, leaving it on cruise control. And this is the whole idea behind having multiple gears in an iTorque truck, overdrive and direct drive completely overlap each other. You can run that truck out as fast as it will go in either gear. The idea being when you're light, it is an overdrive and as such, it controls the boost naturally. Uh, unlike a traditionally geared truck where you're always trying to pick different gear ratios to get your application just right. And then it really relies upon the driver to have to babysit the boost gauge and the priometer. I mean, you're, you have to watch it constantly. Uh, with iTorque, there's no need to do that at all. Uh, it says, okay, I'm light. I'm in overdrive. We're going to drop the RPM way down low. We know what horsepower is. That's torque times RPM divided by 5252. So when we drop the RPM down low, we're limiting the horsepower, thereby limiting boost. Boost is only going to go in a certain range when you're in that gear. Uh, if you need more at road speed, it will downshift without having to accelerate for a hill. We're just simply dropping a gear, bringing the RPM. Then it'll build a little bit more boost in that range. And I can do that all the way down into 10th gear underdrive up to 65 mile an hour. So 
I mean, quite literally, with the iTorque, there is absolute zero need to babysit boost or a priometer. It just, you don't have to do it. So well, I, I get it with the older trucks and with a variable geometry turbo, you absolutely have to. But, um, you know, the newer technology, that requirement kind of goes away. Well, you know, and, and on cruise, you touched on this a little bit, but the, the new generation cruise now uses GPS data to know what's coming, to know that we have yes. this grade for this long. And we're, we're now using that data to make the cruise control more efficient than the driver could be, when before the cruise was less efficient than the driver could be. That's a 180-degree that's change. So absolutely the truck, the truck anticipates what's in front of it. And because of the wide gear selection in the case of the Volvo, it has on what operating mode you put the truck in. If you want extreme efficiency, it's going to do something a little bit different than if you have it in performance. So quite literally you have three separate tunes, you have map-based IC so the truck can anticipate and use each one of these individual tunes to its fullest potential. And it's, it, it completely relieves the driver of, of babysitting the truck. It allows you to focus on efficiency and time management, what the driver should be focused on. And we shouldn't be surprised. We know that the driver has an impact on some, something like 30 to 40% of fuel economy. That's big. There's almost yes. nothing else that affects fuel economy that much. So what we're really talking, here's, here's part of the problem. Go back to the early 2000s with the first automated transmissions, and they tried to convince us that those, those transmissions were better than we were. And they weren't. They could have been. But they weren't there yet. We didn't have the technology. They weren't that efficient. The shift points weren't as magical as they told us they were going to be. And the cruise was still dumb for the most part. Now, we do have transmissions finally that get this and they shift right and they work with the engine and the gearing and they have the GPS data. But again, we I swear we're so bad in this industry at bringing out technologies before we're ready, before they're ready, and then people get an opinion and an attitude about them, and it becomes twice as hard to overcome. But here's really all we're talking about. When any of us try to help drivers with how to drive for fuel economy, you know, watch this, ease off before the top of the hill, use the downhill to get a little speed. It, we were teaching individual drivers. You have to teach each driver how to do that. Then the driver's got to practice it and he's got to get better at it. And, you know, wake up with a, you know, a low body battery one day and you're all stressed out and watch how fast all of those things go out the window. And all we're saying is if we could teach a driver to do that, we could also teach the ECM to do it. And once you program it, you're done. You don't have to teach 300,000 drivers and ECMs don't have bad days. They either work and they work exactly yeah. the same every time or they break and then you go fix it. You're, you're 100% correct. And there's a fair bit of AI that goes into this, you know, where the truck actually learns as you go. 
Um, obviously there are a bunch of parameters that you go in there and you can kind of, you know, give it a head start by adjusting parameters that in certain places, um, to make it maybe perform a little bit optimally in each mode to how you prefer it. But over time it will figure it out itself and it, it gets, it gets really, really good. And, you know, with all the other added stresses that truck drivers have, and it, if you don't have a boost gauge and a fun to watch, gets to be old after a while. Yeah. It just does. Yeah, it does. Focus on, do we really need to be focusing on that? I, I get the old school drivers that this has been pounded into their head and, and, and they absolutely believe that you have to watch it. I, I get that. I was there myself at one point, but uh, the reality is, is we really need to be focusing on the safety, the traffic, our time management, um, things like that, rather than watching the dash. We, we, we really want to get away from having to watch the dash and the new technologies. Um, they, they really enable us to do that. There's, there's no question about it. You know, it's no different. I, I can say that I truly enjoy shifting a truck. I love it. I, I, but you know what? Honestly, I don't want to do it all the time every day, you know, 70 hours a week. So at some point for me, give me the automated manual. Um, there are several advantages to them, and I don't need to be a super trucker all the time. I, 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 I would prefer if I, I'm going to be out there 70 hours a week that I don't have to shift. I completely agree with you. You know, I loved my 68 Impala Super Sport convertible. Loved that car. <laughs> it was it a daily driver. No, right. It was right. not. It was a pain in the ass, really, you know. Yep. And what's really cool here is I've got, you know, two people that I've helped spec trucks that have come out of high horsepower custom trucks with 18 speed manuals and, you know, the big horsepower and whatnot. And Beyond the fuel efficiency, it's almost like they don't even care about that. After they start reporting back, they're like, just cannot believe how easy this thing is to drive. I don't have to pay attention to all the things that I had to pay attention to before for fear of melting the engine down, pulling a hill. And you know, they're like, it just goes up the hill. It does what it's supposed to do. And they have confidence in it and they're relaxed and, and they can focus on what's truly important. And that's not, you know, not running somebody over. And bottom line is that's what the driver's main responsibility should be is the safety of that truck. Yeah. You've done a lot of multi-stop kind of things, P and D, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so you get this. Um, I'll go back to the time where I used to have to do one legged squats with my right leg so that it was the same size as my left leg. (laughs) No, I, I hear you, man. I I have no desire to go back into a manual. And I was brought up on 13 and 18 speed transmissions. And, you know, I, I like to think I'm as good as anybody on them, but I have zero desire to get back into one. Um, is it fun on occasion? Yeah. Is it fun to get back into an old two-stroke Detroit on occasion oh, and yeah. wind it up? Yeah. Would yeah. I want to drive it every day? Hell no. Yeah. Hell no. I mean, it just... They, they don't make a lot of sense. So there are new technologies out there um, in the newer trucks. The, the, the differentiator here, when you're looking at things with downsped, everybody uses the term. In my mind, there are two platforms that are 
truly downsped, and that would be Volvo and Detroit. When you start to look at the crankshaft and the, the connecting rod length and, and whatnot, those two, in my mind, are truly downsped. And neither one of them use a variable geometry turbo. Variable geometry turbos tend to be very spiky, and this is why on a truck with a VGT, you have to really start looking at the boost gauge and the priometer on them. Um, the, the Cummins, the PACR, the A26, they all are still on variable geometry. So in my mind, those are kind of the two differentiators to what is truly downsped. A lot of other things go into that. But, uh, you know, if, if you have a downsped Detroit and it has to be the downsped version, not the, you know, the 505, um, I think they do a 400 and a 455 that's downsped. The same thing with the Volvo. You can still get a VGT Volvo. It's not going to be downsped. Um, you're not going to get the killer fuel efficiency out of it when you're over the road, and it's going to be much more difficult to drive for fuel efficiency. So, you know, the the Volvo's TC concept and Detroit's asymmetric turbo and the downsped variants, uh, you really shouldn't have to babysit that truck much. Yep, I agree. All right, man, great stuff. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of great ideas out of today. A lot of projects going on. Uh, I can't wait to see you continue to geek out with your uh, with your watch data. I'm sure you're going to come up with all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but I, I think uh, I think we kind of did it. I think I've had enough for the week. Yeah, I think so. I think something we may want to consider doing if. Garmin has some interest, and maybe Volvo has some interest. I think we ought to petition FMCSA to let us do some of the stuff we're talking about just on a small scale. Let, let's work on that. I, I can't think of any yeah. anybody you know that could pull this off better than the group we've put together right now. The three of us, your connections uh, with Volvo, our connections with Garmin, with several other of our partners. Um, lots and lots of experience with all these issues. Uh, it, it's a big project. There's no doubt. Anytime you got to get you know, the government involved, it's going to be a big deal. But I, I don't think there's anybody else that could pull it off the way we could. And, and you're never going to know unless you try. I think there are are some very good opportunities for some unique solutions here. Um, they may not end up in the form that we're talking about presently, but I am sure that we can leverage this technology some, in some form or fashion to make the hours of service regulations a little more dynamic and to, you know, let's reward the guys that are doing things right, that are safe, that are rested, that are doing what they're supposed to do instead of the risk takers and the guys, you know, the road warriors out there that are just blowing everybody's doors off and they're, they're driving tired. And it seems like they're the ones that get all the reward and the guys that are doing everything right. They're, they're the ones that are being penalized and it's always been that way. And it would be nice to be able to turn that situation around. Absolutely. Hey, one more comment and then we'll wrap this up. We talked the other day, you and I were laughing about Ohio truck sales mm-hmm. and all their, you know, every picture is somebody standing next to a big hood with, you know, giant uh-huh. billboard bumpers. And um, the other thing I noticed that they, in, in all their ads, this kind of goes along with what we're talking about here. They make a big deal about how many of their trucks are ELD exempt. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that too. I, I was looking at that after we were giggling about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. I was like, yeah, go right. figure, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah. uh, pretty funny stuff. All right. All right. We're going to wrap this up, Joel. Thanks as always. We'll, uh, we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Great show today. Lots of great questions. I appreciate it. Uh, I am ready to wrap up for the week, though. We will uh, We'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.